Let's do a test record. Check my volume. Yeah, we'll do a test record. Uh, me, Jake, Joe, Neil. All right. Three, two, and one. Hey, welcome to the show. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, what's up? Yada, yada, yada. Hey, this is Joe. Blah, blah, blah. Yada, yada, yada. Blah, blah, blah. No, talking a regular. I got to listen. <laughs> at, you're not going to be talking like that the entire time, Neil. Well, not the whole time, but I do get pretty loud on occasion. Okay. Okay. All righty then. Uh, I stand corrected. That's that's how I want everyone to to chime in when we do these little mini recordings. I want you to just yell at the top of your lungs like <laughs> just like a wailing jackass. All right. Um, listen that's back. To, I'll listen back to that nonsense. Oh my God, Neil! I hated listening to that. <laughs> Episode four hundred thirty-four. Already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that makes us happy like shooting at a wall brat. But it's all been done before. And we don't wanna be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's mix it, clean erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers. Joker here, the clown prince of crime, and you're listening to my least favorite podcast, Pop Culture Leftovers. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake, and we're the leftovers. Oh, fuck me. I don't whatever. Are we, Jake? I don't know. What's going on? I just well, we're at least the leftovers, <laughs> no matter what. Through thick and thin. I said I said nothing. I didn't I you know, like the whole Woe Bundy bullshit we do at the beginning, you know, the whole fucking uh, Parker Lewis swatches. I'm giving no references that like Gen Zers understand right now. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe Mighty Morphin Power Ranger bullshit. Maybe do, do they do something with their hands in a fucking circle and then throw them up in the air and go off and do something Zordish or whatever the fuck they do. Like what? Like like what do I? What, how do how do I relate with Gen Z, Jake? Like seriously? I, I don't don't ask me. I have no fucking idea. All right, let's TikTok this shit up. What do I say to Gen Z? To I think you do a you do a hot dance. I don't even know <laughs> what the fuck. Some... I don't even know what you're talking about. A hot dance. <laughs> What is a hot dance? Like one of those TikTok dances that are really popular at the moment. Okay, Jake, for someone that's not on TikTok, I'm thinking like, are we doing the Lombada? What are you, what, seriously, like I have no idea what you were talking about. I am not on TikTok. The only time I ever get on TikTok is when somebody sends me a goddamn TikTok video and it drives me crazy. Like, why are you sending me this? I don't have the app on my phone. Why are you sending me this goddamn link? <laughs> <laughs> I'm guilty of that. I know, and I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I have, unless it's Marvel related or DC related, then it's a pass. But I don't care. God damn it with your TikTok shit. Fuck. It's easily my favorite social media. I know. You like all the annoying shit. <laughs> I get it. I get it. 
I mean, there's no arguing, really. It's just getting on there and laughing at stuff you like. Oh God, it's, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not committing to another fucking thing online or whatever another social media service i gotta i gotta cut it off somewhere i don't do instagram either i'm not about looking at people's pictures and all this other bull i don't give a fuck that's why i don't do anything on my facebook jake i have a facebook just so i can fucking like uh post shit on the pcl page see here's the thing with facebook with me i used to have one Got rid of it. Anyway, my big thing is, and for people that friend me and they're like, oh, well, let's take a look at the life of Brian. You ain't going to see shit. I don't post shit. <laughs> I don't do a goddamn thing. I don't know why you're friending me in the first place because I don't do fucking shit on Facebook. I am not leaving a fucking footprint on Facebook so that when I die, all the people can go around and look on my fucking page for five fucking minutes, be all flippant about my death, and then look at my fucking page for five minutes and be like, oh, he's dead. It's like, you, it's all it is. It's all, at the end of the day, I'm going to die, and then you're going to have some, some fucker that I haven't talked to in 30, 40, 50 fucking years going on my page and, like, flipping through shit, and uh, sums, sums up my life in about five minutes before they fuck off of my page, Jake. I ain't having it. I'm not having it, man. Yeah, I mean, those are very noble reasons not to fuck with the Facebook. I like it. Yeah, it's like totally me thinking of the future and not giving that fucker the satisfaction of looking at my page once I'm a dead, rotting corpse. Yeah, fuck knows what I said today that's perfectly fine that 200 years from now will be the most fucking off-putting, canceled shit you've ever read. Oh, no, I don't even care about that as long as I'm remembered. (laughs) I don't even give a fuck about that. I just don't want the people that, like, in my life that haven't been in my life... Just uh, go around looking at my shit once I'm dead. Fuck you. You should have. We should have known each other. We should have been friends. That's how you get to know. You know. And most half the shit people post on Facebook is fake anyway. Look at me and my smiling family. Whatever. You know you guys are having fucking arguments and shit. Why don't you post that shit? Here's a fight between me and my fucking wife. Here's where I threw the clock at her. Like fuck off. It's all Facebook's a fucking joke anyway. I love when you get the reality when you when you see people actually in like fights on Facebook. Oh, that's great! That's great. I just can't. I can't be a part of it. This just drives me crazy. No, no whole TikTok. We got guests. Jesus Christ! I'm just gonna bitch about Gen Z and fucking social media for this episode. That's what we're gonna do. That'll be an easy one for me. Put this one to bed. <laughs> we'll put this one to bed really soon. We, we we got Joe Stark from Startcast. Welcome, Joe. Hey, stoked to be here. Yeah, I'm sure you are after listening to that. <laughs> shit. Yeah, I can't wait for Brian to go off on me. Fuck. I'm just, I'm a grumpy little cunt today. Christ. Uh, welcome, Joe. <laughs> yeah, uh, hey, I'm right there with you at TikTok. I, I refuse to put it on my phone, and and I'm constantly getting them sent to me. It's yeah. Like, I gotta watch this again. Half the time it's with some awful music. Or, I know. I, I just, I can't And then do sometimes, it. like, when I try to pull up whatever godforsaken fucking video you're sending me that I don't want to fucking view in the first place. I have to see two teenage girls and they're like turning, looking over their shoulder, getting ready to do some fucking in unison bullshit dance together. And then it, and then I'm like, what, what is this? Because it's not even playing the video you sent me and I got to watch these two asshats fucking do this dumb fucking cheerleading, whatever the fuck they're doing. You know what I'm talking about, <laughs> Joe? You ever get that crap? Yeah, yeah. God damn it. <laughs> it's fucking stupid 
sorry. <laughs> you know, there's a genre of videos out there you can watch that are TikToks gone wrong, where people have been doing dance moves in the street and they get hit by like a fucking ice cream truck. Don't. Oh God. I, yeah. I mean, if I can watch them on YouTube, I'll watch them. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm not going to TikTok. I don't need another fucking time suck in my life. I don't even do the YouTube thing half the time. So that's what it comes down to to me. Also, is that my social media apps on my phone? Like I've already got them buried on the far page. Yeah. In a, in a subfolder that says fucking don't. Then mm-hmm. I still thumb right to it and open them right up. I don't need another one. I know. I know. Oh god. I'm just. I'm just an angry little boy today. Um. <laughs> <laughs> And we got Neil Follender from the uh, Smorgasbord podcast. Welcome, Neil. Hey, good to be back. <laughs> it's been a while, man. Fuck it. it has been a while, uh, ever since uh, Morbius. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> Have you recovered from Morbius, Neil? I don't know. I saw some more vampire bullshit today, so uh, <laughs> there's that. Um <laughs> I I guess I'm a lucky person because nobody sends me any TikTok videos. Oh my god! So count your blessings, Neil. Uh, yeah. Count your I, small I, I blessings. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll hook you up, bullshit. Neil. These these two no, are ungra- no. ungrateful. I got you. <laughs> Please don't. Damn it! I didn't send anything. Oh my god! This TikTok shit. Oh my god! Ugh. Leave me alone with the TikTok. I yeah, I love cats. I got three of them. I don't need to see videos of other people's cats. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Leave me the fuck alone. Get off my social media lawn. Jesus. Mm. Anyway. Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a little pissy bitch this episode. Anyway. We went to C2E2, uh, Joe and, and, and Jake. And, and uh, I, I did want to mention, you know, uh, some of the... Some of the fun and things that we did at C2E2, I, my, I myself, I spent a lot more time uh, this year in uh, uh, going around, walking around, looking at uh, what the vendors had to offer and uh, a lot of the artists and, and comic book writers and uh, artists alley. I, I, that was most of my C2E2, to be quite honest with you. I, I did go to a, a couple panels, but that's about it. I don't, I mean... I don't know. There's a lot of great vendors, though. A lot of uh, a lot of great artwork, and I did pick up some things. I picked up some independent comic books and and things like that. But uh, yeah, Joe, did you do anything that was uh, that was particularly uh, you know stood out over the weekend? Yeah, I did a lot of walking around, looking at cosplay. Uh, that's one of my favorites. I, I love seeing all the cosplay. And this year, I felt like it was a really great one. I saw some really, I mean, there was a lot of Scarlet Witches, but some of the ones I saw, uh, there were a couple of them where it was like, it was very, very spot on. It, it looked fantastic and um, saw some really great displays. The The highlight of Saturday for me was after the con, I, I spotted Donnie Cates having a smoke and and uh, went up and, and said hi and, and thanked him for all the amazing books that he's given us over the years. And he couldn't have been more cool and gracious and uh, shook his hand. And wow, it's, it's great when you run into somebody that, you know, you look up to as, you know, just this fantastic storyteller. And it's like, wow, this is like a hero that it'd be so cool to meet. And then you meet them and they turn out to be so cool. <laughs> so it was, it was one of the best experiences I've ever had 
at a con this year. And then hanging out with the leftover army is just always the best and uh, staying up way too late, uh, getting an unreasonably high amount of uh, uh, miles walked <laughs> uh, per hour, probably um, it's just an incredible time this year. I loved it. Yeah. I, uh, I was, I, 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 had, I was like, I'm going to get this uh, poster signed by Donny Cates. I'll do it on Sunday. I don't want to lug this around. And I'll do it on Sunday. Get in line. Spend about an hour in line waiting for him. Oh, they pushed it another hour. So come back. And then I think I was in that line for about an hour and a half total before they said, Donny Cates has a fever and will not be returning. And I was like, fuck. So I just stayed in line and I had, uh, I, I bought a poster and had uh, Stegman signed it. Ryan Stegman, who nice. I absolutely love. I love him. And I, I, I told <laughs> him and I said, uh, I said, uh, you are my favorite, and I know there's a lot of great Spider-Man artists out there, and I don't know who everybody's favorite is over the years. I, I love Todd McFarlane. I, there's a lot of Spider-Man artists that I like, but uh, Stegman's my favorite. I, I I love the way he draws Spider-Man, and I told him, I said, I was here years ago. You drew me a sketch of Spider-Man. I treasure this. I, I've had, I have it framed. I treasure it. You're my favorite Spider-Man artist, and uh, he said... He said very loudly, why don't you tell Otley? And he was talking about Ryan Otley, <laughs> who was actually at the table right next to us. <laughs> Thank God he didn't hear because I did not. I did not need that. But uh, I think it would have been fine. It would have been funny anyway. But um, yeah, he, he liked that and he signed the poster for me and uh, also got to talk to uh, Wes Craig, who is the artist for Deadly Class. And he's got a new book that I actually have in my pull list uh, called Kaya, which looks like it's going to be a fun fantasy type of a comic book. It's about a girl, young girl with a golden magical arm and uh, her younger brother and then trying to navigate this fantasy world is just the two of them. It's going to be like a epic adventure. I think it's going to be an ongoing series. And I put it on my pull list. I'm excited for the book. And I told him about that. And it's such a huge departure from like what he's done with Deadly Class, but um, it's really nice meeting and talking to him, and um, and uh, got uh, oh I got I just got a couple of uh, I got hopefully an interview lined up with somebody um, and uh, and then uh, and talked to some independent creators and bought some art and um, posters. Bought a poster of uh, Radiant Black from Kyle Higgins' table because I'm really liking that book. And so, yeah, I had a great time. I did go to the Michael Rooker panel, the <laughs> which was wild. There was a moment where he was on stage and fencing, like learning how to fence because like the host that was interviewing him took fencing classes, was very good at fencing. And so they were fencing, <laughs> fencing on the stage. And then Michael Rooker was talking about James Gunn and how he recently had his birthday and tried to call him during the convention and couldn't get a hold of him. They got his answering machine and all of the everybody in the panel started to sing happy birthday to James Gunn. And it was a very cool moment. So I did enjoy that. But um, yeah, it, I, I had a, I had a great time at C2E2. It was finally it was awesome. Finally meeting uh, Tristan and uh, Stephanie. Both of them were fantastic. And then. I probably spent 
more time with Leo than a human possibly should. But I, I love, I absolutely loved hanging out with Leo, and I'm hoping to have him back on in a future episode. He was, he was a blast this year, man. And uh, um, yeah, I, I, we had a great group come out this year. I had a lot of fun. Jake, do you have anything that you wanted to share? Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun too. It was a blast. I, I too did a lot of walking up and down Artist Alley, just kind of collecting business cards and taking pictures of business cards of stuff that I liked so I could kind of check it all out again later and remember it. Um, I got a lot of books, like actual written novels signed by the authors that were there for Michelle. And I, I actually had no idea that so many um, like book authors were at C2E2. It was the first time I'd really done all that. Um, I met Claudia Gray, who you guys might know. She's written a ton of uh, Star Wars books. Oh, yeah. I think she yeah. wrote like the Leia series and a couple yeah. of the prequel books. And um, she was very nice. And yeah, it, it was a great time. I mean, and half the allure is like seeing all the leftover army afterwards, too. And I, I agree. It was a great group this year. And yeah, I was glad to see Leo back in the fold. That was definitely a lot of fun. I, and yeah, meeting Tristan, meeting Stephanie and. And everyone else is just so great as well. You know, there was a few people that were definitely missed that couldn't make it this year. But, man, once we were there and hanging out, it was like, well, this group is great. Yeah, I talked to uh, I talked to a uh, comic book writer who I, I believe he had done a, maybe done it as a Kickstarter at first. He sold out of his book. I wanted to buy it because, like, the the title had me hooked. It's called Harriet Tubman, Demon Slayer. Oh, I remember you telling me about nice. that. That's great. And uh, totally sold out of the book. And and uh, I went up to his table um, and and said hello. And I said, I, I'm going to go to the website. I'm going to get the book. And uh, he saw that I had a press badge on. I told him about my podcast and that we'd recently, you know, interviewed uh, Tom King that, you know, and, and he sounded very interested in coming on the show. So I'm hoping to get the book and read it and have him on. But uh, the book just looks fucking incredible the artwork's incredible and um yeah i I had a great time at c2e2 and if it if you've never gone to a comic book convention or a pop culture convention entertainment convention highly recommend that you know look and see what's uh, around your city and you know what if you're a big fan of the show and you want to meet me and jake and some of the other people that have ever like come on the show a lot a lot of people showed up this year you know so and uh, hopefully we'll have more show up uh, next year in March when we go back. But, yeah, it's always a good time. Always a good time. Had a blast. So Yeah, yeah. I'm bummed I couldn't go this year. Uh, yeah, man. I'm definitely planning on going next year because it's out of fire season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I, I can't wait to hang out with you again, Neil. It's like yeah. <laughs> it's trouble. A hundred percent it's trouble. <laughs> Uh, without neil there no one had their shirt off that's for sure (laughs) that's true that is very true (laughs) yeah it was too bad i know we didn't everybody had their shirts on um (laughs) we we do have a a couple of contests and then i'm going to go over the winners for uh the contest that we brought up a couple weeks ago but uh new contests what we got i've got digital codes for the new movie wife-like and uh, it's Jonathan Reese Myers stars in the sci-fi thriller Wifelike, now streaming on Redbox. In the near future, an artificial human begins to question her reality as memories of a past life begin to resurface in a world where nothing is as it seems. You can stream Wifelike 
instantly on Redbox On Demand. Today, it's rated R from Paramount Pictures. Yeah, so in this movie, um, it's artificial human Meredith is assigned as a companion to grieving widower, uh, widower William, played by Jonathan Rhys Myers. She is designed to behave like his late wife. But in the fight in the fight to end AI exploitation, an underground organization attempts to sabotage Meredith's programming, and she begins to question her reality as memories of a past life begin to resurface in a world where nothing is as it seems. I am not 100% sure if you own these digital copies or if this is just a digital rental code from, from Redbox. So either way... Uh, you'll either get the movie or be able to stream it on Redbox On Demand. But that is wife-like. I'm going to be sending out a wife-like tweet and Facebook post. All you have to do is retweet it or share it on Facebook and then screenshot that, proving that you've done so, and send it to, uh, excuse me, contest at popcultureleftovers.com with the title Wife-like. And, uh, yeah. I'll go over the winners for the Wife Light Contest next week. Also, got another contest. Sonic 2, physical copies, yeah. round two. We've already given out five digital copies of Sonic 2 before. Such a fucking fantastic movie that we're doing it again. We've got five more physical copies of Sonic 2. If you won the previous contest, you cannot enter this one. Let's give somebody else a chance, okay, Monica Garola? I don't know if she won or not. But, uh, <laughs> probably. Probably. But Sonic 2, uh, the world's favorite blue hedgehog is back, and Sonic the Hedgehog 2, now available on Blu-ray and digital, in this next level sequel, Sonic and Tails must save the world from Dr. Robotnik's evil plants. Buy Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and watch it today, rated PG from Paramount Pictures. So, yes, enter the Sonic 2 contest. These are physical copies. I'll be reaching out to the winners with their addresses to ship them out to you. Again, these contests are for uh, U.S. residents only, but uh, same rules apply here. I'm going to send out a Sonic 2 Facebook post and a tweet. All you have to do is screenshot that you've shared it and retweeted it and send it to contest at popcultureleftovers.com with the title Sonic 2. And you can be entered in and possibly win a physical copy of Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Now, to go over the five winners for physical copies of The Lost City, we're going to do that now. Joe, will you be my man on the, my man on the scene, my man on the ground? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I already got the pen and paper ready. <laughs> Look at you over there. <laughs> Fucking Lois Lane with your pen and your paper. <laughs> Look at you, little Amy Adams, little Margot Kidder. I don't know. I don't know why just having a pen and paper makes you Lois Lane, but in my in my this world, is awesome. I'll take it. Yeah, it's a compliment. All right, first winner, Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Hill, you win a copy of The Lost City. Number two, George Mahaney Walter. George Mahaney Walter. Number three, Mario Scabar. Mario Scabar. Have fun writing that one down, Joe. <laughs> Just making these up as I go. <laughs> All right. 
And number four, Mr. Gilbert. Mr. Gilbert, you win. You win. Lost City. So it's Lost City, but you found yourself a physical gabby. That was very punny. (laughs) 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 If you're an idiot. And number five, Stephen Chavez. Stephen Chavez, you win a physical copy of The Lost City. It's a physical copy. You can do whatever you want to with it. You can try to shove it up your ass. You can do whatever the fuck you want, Stephen. It don't matter. It's a physical. You can hold this thing in your fucking hand. You can try to shove it up your ass like I mentioned earlier. (laughs) (laughs) So many different things. Or you can just... They are. You can you can either watch it or shove it up your ass. I mean, (laughs) he gave me several options. All right. So those are the winners. Thank you for entering the Lost City contest. And uh, what do we? What do I have here? What do I got going on now? Oh shit! Did you see this in the news? Hold on. Let me. I'm gonna take a little sip of the water here. Mouth's getting real dry. (laughs) <laughs> mm. Mm. That is uh that is life life giving aqua. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like a Johnny Carson transition from the beginning of this. <laughs> yeah. A life giving aqua. Life giving aqua there, Ed. Yes. <laughs> the life giver. It's good for plants, Ed. That miracle grow, right, Ed? <laughs> I, d- I died 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you died even earlier than that, Ed. Um, let's see. Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm dead. <laughs> dead. <laughs> Six feet under, sir. <laughs> let's see here. Yeah, Applebee's, everyone's uh, favorite uh, restaurant chain. <laughs> Yeah, right. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, let's see here. They are now offering... Let me look this up. I, I actually, I want to I wanna read the actual title to this article because it, it just kind of blew me away here. Uh, it is from... This is an article from GuiltyEats.com. And the, the title of the article is... Uh, the World is Ending... Applebee's has a makeup line. What? Yeah, the trend of restaurants and food brands coming out with merch continues, and this time, it's Applebee's. They've come out with a makeup line. Why? Anyone's guess. But because it's National Wing Day and National Lipstick Day, this is how they decided to celebrate. The restaurant has teamed up with skincare and makeup brand Winky Lux and come out with Saucy Gloss. They have uh, the line features four different lip glosses, and they are inspired by Applebee's wing sauces. Each gloss is $18 or $65 for the set of four on the Winky Lux website. The color names include Get Me Hot Buffalo, Sweet Chili Kiss, Be My Honey Pepper, and Honey Barbecue. So, yes, you can. If, uh, if. (laughs) 
if you're uh, if you're if you're a girlfriend or a, or or a wife and and you want to repel your significant other, go ahead and it, go ahead. Are they just the colors of the sauces, or do they taste like them too? Uh, the let's see, let's read on here, Neil. Uh, <laughs> It's <laughs> a good question, Neil. I was thinking the same thing. Because <laughs> if they taste like them, that yeah. might be more of a selling point to me. Yeah, yeah. then the cannibals that are into kidnapping can get in on this, right? <laughs> the Get Me Hot Buffalo is inspired by Applebee's classic buffalo sauce and is described as a creamy coral. The Sweet Chili Kiss is inspired by the Sweet Asian Chili Sauce and is a deep red and deep red with golden specks. Be My Honey Pepper is a honey color with a shimmer in it and inspired by the honey pepper sauce. And finally, the Honey Barbecue Tea is a dark red brown and inspired by the Honey Barbecue Wing Sauce. Says nothing about flavoring here. It looks like like it's just the color. Yeah, it's just the color. They actually have, go to Applebee's Twitter, uh, at Applebee's. Uh, that has uh, has all the it has literally I I kid you not I'm looking at a at a shot of like these wings and they're Tours. on like a mirror and uh, so you, so you can see their reflections under them you actually see the wings and the sauce just splatted on this mirror with the lip gloss on top of them and the colors match up perfectly I'm looking at the same picture it's hilarious yeah <laughs> it look it looks like turds. <laughs> this has to be this has to be self-aware stupid right i it's it has to be it's, I, it's such a weird reach it's really weird everybody's doing weird shit now though everybody's like i remember like there was uh was it chapstick that was like mountain dew flavored and dr pepper flavored and that makes sense but yeah. and these are not flavored in any way there is confirmation in the article it's just the the colors who the f- what fucking woman <laughs> in her right mind is going to fucking buy Applebee's fucking lip gloss? <laughs> uh, just picturing the guy like, oh, baby, when you wear that Applebee's color, <laughs> Ooh, it gets me racing. Honey, I'm, I'm going to hold out until they come out with the Applebee's quesadilla burger lip gloss. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's my favorite. It's, 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 it's part burger, part quesadilla, honey. It's best of both worlds. It's, a, it's good. It's like, you know, it's got pepper jack cheese and the, that Mexi ranch sauce. Mmm, baby, it gets me horny. <laughs> ridiculous. America, you're ridiculous. You're ridiculous today, America. Yeah, go home, you're drunk. Jesus, fucking Applebee's. <laughs> Applebee's fucking lip gloss. Who the fuck? I would love to see numbers on sales. You know there's idiots out there buying this shit. I bet they sell out. Whatever they make, I bet they sell it all. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. They sold out. Sweeping the fucking nation. Probably a fucking TikTok video out there that Jake's already seen about this shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'll send it to Neil. Brian, in in the video, the girl's applying it and doing a hot dance. Uh, It's uh, (laughs) the hot barbecue sauce. Man, I lost about five hours out of my day just watching videos on that. I don't know why Jake (laughs) is talking like that right now. I have no idea. I know, I know. (laughs) 
That's what the lip gloss does to you. I don't get too many makeup tutorials on my algorithm these days either. Yeah, God. <laughs> Jesus. I, w- I want to see the Venn diagram that shows the overlap of people who are dumb enough to buy it and dumb enough to eat it. <laughs> Snickers also came out with a seasoning. Did you see that? No, for like popcorn? For anything, Jank. Oh, it's a God. seasoning. If you want anything to taste like Snickers, they've made a let's seasoning. That, let's get that Snickers dry rub going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait to fucking put that on my pork belly. Mm, there's yummy. A, there's, a, there's a Twix one, too. Oh, shit. Now that you're, that's a game changer, isn't it? <laughs> I think those would be good on popcorn. <sighs> it does sound good on popcorn. Yeah, I just... It's just... Uh, that's not. That's nowhere near on the same level as Applebee's lip gloss. No, it's just. It's. It's just. It's like six. It's like six tiers down. It's just like I just think it's ridiculous that there's a cinnamon to- cinnamon toast crunch seasoning when it's. Oh, that sounds the best on popcorn. It's just sugar and cinnamon. Yeah. That's all it is, Jake. Like you don't have to buy. That's all. You don't, don't have, have to, to buy do the mixing. How fucking difficult is mixing cinnamon and sugar? <laughs> it's got to have some toast crummies in there, too. Yeah, I don't know the ratio I'm supposed to do with that shit. I don't fucking know. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, trust the cinnamon toast crunch fucking people. You, if you could figure it out. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's cinnamon and sugar. <laughs> anyway. Oh, let's see here. Let's, uh, oh, shit. You know, I don't even have bumpers pulled out. I take a week off. I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing over here. You guys probably won't be able to hear them. Yeah, I got to. Hold on. Let me pause. All right. Hey, we are back to everyone's relief. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Thank God they're back to bring all the entertainment that they've brought so far in this banger of an episode. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Talking about Applebee's sauce lip gloss and Jake's over there adamantly defending Snickers seasoning. It what I don't know what's going on this episode. Yeah, they have it at our target. I'll be getting this this week. Oh my god, Jake. It's gonna oh. I appreciate you. Yeah. Fuck you, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> No, I hope it tastes wonderful on your popcorn. I make it. Hope it makes all your popcorn dreams come true, Jake. I don't know why I'm being so sarcastic about seasoning and popcorn. Mm. I doubt it'll make all my popcorn dreams come true. Mm. Uh. <laughs> is are we? Is that is that like a sexual popcorn thing? Like, what's going on here? I don't understand. You can take it however you want. I just have a multitude <laughs> of popcorn dreams. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. All right. And <laughs> learning a lot about Jake today. <laughs> and until next week, we're putting a lid on it. I was hoping to end the show. All right. You got to put a lid on it so you can shake that Snicker stuff all over the place. Mm. Jesus. Mm. Yeah. We're back to that, aren't we? All right. <laughs> let's, let's jump into let's jump into good pop bad pop this week. For more leftover reviews with Goodpa. 
Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. Yeah, I uh, finished uh, uh, F-Boy Island Season 2. Finished it. Fin- knocked it out. Knocked it out uh, sometime last week. And, uh, yeah, I, I liked it overall, but I think they are setting up, uh, it felt very scripted, the last episode. There's a big reveal that happens in the final episode. Felt very set up by the producers. And, uh, I didn't, I didn't appreciate it. I, I felt it was, uh, kind of, kind of a stupid reveal. And I think, uh, this is all leading to, you know, I don't know, I don't know. What what you know? If the shakeup at Warner Brothers is going to affect F Boy Island, but if it doesn't, it sounds like they're wanting to possibly do an F Girl Island sometime in the future. That's what I that's what I picked up on. So we'll we'll see if that pans out. But uh, yeah, uh, I enjoyed it overall. Just didn't like that reveal. I'd probably give it a high tasted overall. To be honest with you, I. Um, just because of that, st- they, they, just because of the stupid shit that they kind of pulled in the final episode, I didn't really appreciate it. But uh, let's jump into some stuff that we all watched this week. Uh, we'll start off talking about a league of their own. This is the new Amazon, excuse me, the new Prime Video series, and uh, they dropped. What was it? Was it eight episodes on Friday? Yes. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> you're welcome you're welcome Brian um, <laughs> Sluggo's not here the series set in 1943 centers the uh, on the formation of the Rockford Peaches a women's team in the uh, All-Americans uh, All-American Girls Professional Baseball League so basically during World War II when all the men are Fighting the war, most of the jobs that were left vacant uh, because of their absence uh, was, were filled by women. And the owners of the baseball teams, not wanting baseball to be dormant indefinitely, decided to form teams with women. So scouts are, uh, were sent all over the country to find female players. And uh, this is based on the 1992 movie of the same name, uh, just now as a, an eight-episode Amazon Prime series. I'm not sure if they're planning on doing more. I haven't finished it myself, but um, it's a uh, period sports comedy drama series created by William Graham and Abby Jacobson. Uh, it is an adaptation of the uh, of the 92 film, like I said, and it stars Shante Adams, Darcy Carden, Roberta Calindres, um, Gabemisola. Gib- I'm going to butcher this name. Gabemisola Ukamel. Kelly McCormack and Priscilla Delgado, and uh, I only I only watched the first episode. Um, but uh, uh, I want to hear from you guys, uh, Joe. Uh, how many episodes did you watch, and what did you think about uh, a league of their own? I was also only able to get uh, episode into this one. Uh, I thought the first episode was 
pretty engaging though. I would give it a high taste it. Uh, it, you know, it, it does the typical first episode stuff where it's just doing a lot of setup. It's introducing you to these primary characters. For the most part, I, I liked all these primary characters. Uh, they've got a, a whole host of different personalities uh, on this on this girl's team. And our our main character, the the predicament that we kind of find her in as the episode, the first episode plays out. I, I thought it sets up some pretty interesting story potential storylines for the rest of this season. Um, I, I, I don't really want to spoil too much of it, but she is she's married and her husband is away at war. She gets drafted onto this team, and the day she finds out that her husband's shipping home, she suddenly decides, "Yeah, I'm going for it." And the the, the episode literally starts with her running to catch up with this train, <laughs> which was a pretty funny opening scene. And and as as far as comedy goes, the original movie had a lot of really funny parts in it, and and I felt like this series did a good job of of interjecting a lot of comedy into it as well. But it does seem like this is going a lot harder than than that original movie. There was plenty of f bombs dropped in this first episode, and uh, it looks like they're going to be definitely getting into territory that that they didn't touch in the movie. And so I think this series does have promise. I, I like. The, the actors that are in it, I think everybody did a good job. And um, I is just due to time and circumstance, I didn't have a chance to watch the second episode. But I absolutely would have at least given this another episode or two to see if it's going to go in the in the direction that would keep me engaged. Yeah, I gave it the one episode. Um, I liked it. I did not love it. I don't think that the first episode was fantastic. And maybe that's... That maybe that maybe that's my fault. Maybe I should stick with it. Um, um, but maybe I'm maybe I'm just not the target audience for this either. Um, I I guess I kind of wanted them to focus a little bit more on um, some of the. I, I I understand they're trying to get into like the women themselves and their lives and things like that and like what brought them to this team. But I'm hoping it does sort of give us more of like the baseball, the women playing baseball and like how the crowd reacts and stuff like that. And I know this first episode, they had to do a lot of setup to get there. It just didn't really it just didn't really do anything new for me, quite honestly. I know it's a lot. They're touching on stuff that they didn't in the movie, but it's a lot of subject matter that we've seen in a lot of other things recently. I just don't know if this is doing it any better than some of the other things that I've seen. So it didn't really grab me in that way. Um, so I'm going to give it a taste it right now. And I, I don't know if I will be returning to it. I mean, I love some of the female-centric stuff that they've been putting out on Prime Video. I absolutely loved Paper Girls because that had, like, the fun, you know, science fiction and uh, fantasy aspect to it. And I love uh, <clears throat> the marvelous Mrs. Maisel with the stand-up comedy and... and um, but this just didn't really blow me away in the first episode. Um, so I'm going to give it a taste it. And I don't know if I'm going to come back to this one or not. Um, Neil, what did you think? Yeah, I was able to watch two of them, two, the first two episodes. Uh, um, and I thought that this really did continue the spirit of the original. Um, you know, all about women empowerment and... and People, women taking control of their lives. It's a really, really good message. I love seeing uh, uh, Darcy Carden, McCarden, whatever her name is, uh, who played Janet on The Good Place. She's fantastic. Um, 
I was really blown away by how good the writing and acting was in this because you got such an immediate sense of who these characters were with very little dialogue, very little exposition. Um, there's multiple storylines going on. Uh, and, of course, I love the 40s aesthetic. It's it's gorgeous. I'm going to Tupperware this. Um, I was ready to Tupperware it during the first one, so it obviously caught me a little differently than it did you, Brian. But it, it, it does get more complex. We're spending more time with uh, Maxine, who is the, uh, the black woman pitcher. Um, so there's that whole other storyline that's happening concurrently with the Peaches that are doing it. Um, the music in it is fantastic. It's it just, I, I had a great time watching this, uh, and it was just due to t- time constraints that I didn't go back to it after the third, after the second one, but I will be finishing the series cause it's, 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 it's really good. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll take your word for it. It's just like, I, you know, I was instantly hooked when I watched glow. It was just like glow on Netflix. Uh, you know, the, gorgeous ladies of wrestling that that just kind of fucking that took me by surprise it kind of blew me away i don't know i just wasn't as endeared to the characters as you were and maybe maybe i do need to get into that second episode yeah you meet the coach in the second episode and it's nick offerman okay okay Uh, and he's doing (laughs) he's he's doing some interesting stuff with that with this character uh yeah and as i said like the multiple storylines kind of weaving and interacting with each other while also being their own thing is is pretty well crafted, mm-hmm. um, and it is it is very very funny at times. It's, it's it's also as Joe was saying, going very much darker than the original movie, uh, and exploring some of these real time uh, issues that would have been around that they didn't really want to put in that movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's I think it's really well done, and uh, it should be. I mean, if you have time to continue it, I would suggest you do so. Yeah, it's just I guess I wanted to see more of like I, it's it's about baseball. I wanted to see a little bit more of the baseball and the competitive nature between the ladies on the team and fighting. Yeah, you, you do you yeah. do get the, uh, their first baseball game in episode two, That's and good. there's some hecklers in the crowd, and the, the interaction there is really interesting. And. I don't know what I was expecting from the first episode. It's not like I can have them jump right into a game in the first episode. So it's like maybe I do need to give it that second episode for me to really kind of turn around on this one. It's not that I didn't like it. It's just it didn't grab me as much as like some other things have have grabbed me, you know, uh, like glow. And anyway, Jake, what did you think? Yeah, I watched the first two episodes. I think I'm more in line with you, Brian, than Neil. Um, it's a it's a taste it for me. Um, I thought the show justified the show existing. Like a lot of times when they do these shows based off of movies, I watch it and I'm like, there's no need for this to even exist. But like what you guys were saying, it definitely delves deeper into modern topics that the movie was kind of, I I guess afraid is the wrong word, but it wasn't the time to approach some of the topics that the show goes ahead and and goes forward on. But um, yeah, it just wasn't for me. I thought it was very well made. It's a very great period piece. The, The music is really good. The acting is fine. I just... I don't know. It never like got its fish hooks into me. I watched two episodes and I was like, yeah, that was the quality was there, but it just didn't really, it wasn't something that I felt the need to watch more of anytime soon. 
Yeah, I mean, with me, it's like <laughs> another wrestling show. I loved Heels on Stars, and like, not only was that about like uh, the boys, but they also brought in one of the, uh, the you know female valets into that show. But then she turns out to be like the spectacular wrestler, and I really loved her competitive nature in that first season of Heels. And um, I don't know, man. I, yeah, I guess- you you bringing up Glow really like kind of scattered my brain. I was <laughs> like, man. That's kind of the same thing, yeah. but for some reason, I can't get enough of it. What is the difference between right. these two shows? I, I can't quite put my finger on it. I mean, maybe it's just simply the, the thematics, the, the wrestling versus baseball. And I mean, Glow definitely gets you right into that wrestling world right away, Yeah, where this show really kind of slow burns you into the baseball world. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not a good show. I'm not saying that that Neil's wrong and and, and that because I know it's going to have its audience. And I I do agree. Um, I think it was you, Jake, that said, or was it Joe that said, like, you know, they, they just they, they've justified making a series out of this movie. Oh yeah, that's me. That's yeah. me. Yeah, I, you've seen that so many times where you're just like rolling your eyes that they did this. And I yeah yeah, this was a really weird one to just give a taste it to. Because I really can't find any glaring, terrible things that are going on here. Right. It's very, very quality. It just wasn't – this is almost like a personal rating. It just wasn't my show by any means. I guess I just need to – I want to – I really want to – I want to see these ladies in a game, playing the game. I want to see their personalities come out in the game. I guess that's kind of like where maybe I would connect a little bit more – with them but you've yeah. seen that haven't you Jay? yeah i was getting ready to say like you do get a lot of that in the second episode and it, it still wasn't enough i did think the second episode was better than the first episode okay. okay um but yeah i wasn't in any way hooked where like i needed to watch two more episodes but neil you're like this is you're you're in it you can't wait to finish this series this is something you're definitely going to be sticking with it sounds like yeah i have very similar feelings between this and the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, it, it, it's 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 very similar in format to me. You know, similar themes, but it's I love the I love the original movie a lot. Yeah, it's one of my favorite all time movies, and um, I, I think that because this like the spiritual connection between these two, the obvious connection too, but it, it's really really well done, and I, I'm such a sucker for well crafted things. Um, and, and this is extremely, extremely well crafted uh, across the board. Writing, acting, directing, music, cinematography, all that stuff is, is just fantastic. And uh, and I, I did I did form you know a little bit of connection with a few of the characters right off the bat. So I'm interested to see where their stories take them. I was blown away by the set design. Like when they fucking mm-hmm. when we saw that bus like pull into like Rockford, Illinois. And I was just like, holy shit, man. The set design on this looks amazing. Everything looks great. Like, uh, the clothing, it, it just looks very, you know, it's not like I was around in the fucking 40s, but from everything <laughs> that I've seen, it looks pretty damn accurate. So, uh, this is actually the second attempt uh, to do a League of Their Own TV series. The first was a CBS sitcom years ago that actually only ran, uh, they only aired three of the episodes, so... Yeah. Oh, God. It was crazy back then where they would just yank your fucking show after three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about uh, a new uh, horror slasher movie that uh, dropped on Peacock. 
And uh, I'm talking about uh, they slash them. And yes, that's how it's pronounced. They slash them. And uh, it's a group of teenagers at an LGBTQ plus conversion camp endures unsettling psychological techniques while being stalked by a mysterious masked killer. And uh, it's a slasher film written and directed by John Logan in his feature directorial debut and produced by Jason Blum through his Blumhouse Productions banner. It stars Theo Germain, Carrie Preston, Anna Chlumsky, Austin Crute, uh, Kwai Tan, Anne Laura, Cooper Cook, Monique Kim, Darwin Del Fabro, Haley Griffith, Boone Platt, Mark Ashworth, and Kevin Bacon. And, um, yeah, so basically you've got a bunch of parents that have sent their uh, children, young adults, to an LGBTQ plus conversion camp. So they're trying to, basically trying to um, convert them into being straight uh, for their own selfish reasons. And um, let me tell you what I did like about this movie is I did like the fact of of, of them casting uh, mostly, and I I think all the campers are LGBTQ plus actors, to my knowledge, from everything that I could find out. So I do have to applaud them there. What I... What I didn't like about this movie is the fact that I think it's trying to do two different things and it succeeds at neither (laughs) in my opinion if you were just to have a movie about you know an LGBTQ plus conversion camp and the evils of that camp and like you know who the real monsters are at the camp the people trying to you know put on the camp and, and you know convert them like that like that's one that's one movie and then there's another movie where it's just a bunch of kids at camp and a slasher film they try to combine both and they they do none of them well in my opinion um it's not a good horror slasher film i mean and that's (laughs) that's really what its goal is at the end of the day is you know is is first we've got to make a great slasher movie and 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 then we've got these other themes that we can that we can put in here as well. Um, but uh, I, I did enjoy the character of Jordan, uh, a trans character and non-binary. And um, I did enjoy the acting of that character. I, and I thought Kevin Bacon, you know, when you put him in a role like this, just fucking nails it. What was the movie? Sleepers. He was an absolute scumbag in that movie. He's a scumbag in this one. Um it's just weird to see these things going on. And then in the background, we've got like a, a Jason type character, like a Jason Voorhees going around and, and killing people. And I just don't think that they, I don't think they found a way to blend these two different stories in a way that was satisfying for me. And in a way that kind of at the end of it uplifts the LGBTQ plus community. (laughs) So I'm looking more forward to the comedy bros uh, with Billy Eichner that I've seen the trailer for multiple times, and I've laughed multiple times. Uh, from Have you guys seen that trailer? Oh, it yeah. looks so good. <laughs> I love Billy Eichner. I've been a fan since Billy on the Street, and um, that trailer looks great. It's just, I think that they really tried to do something meaningful and in the spirit of a slasher movie here. I just don't think that the director succeeded unfortunately 
And I don't know if you can with this. I, I'm not sure. Um, but I'm curious to hear what you guys thought. Joe, what did you think about um, they slash them? Uh, yeah, I was really looking forward to this based on the trailer that I saw. I, I love it when Kevin Bacon plays creepy, like you said earlier with Sleepers. I mean, oh, the, the, that performance just gives me chills. It's so it's so gross. And Kevin Bacon can really go there in, in, a, in a horror you know, thriller type movie. And man, this movie just fell so short of the mark. Like when it was done, I just had like that sour milk look on my face. <laughs> I was like, this movie absolutely sucked. Uh, and it didn't have anything to do with the performances. I thought the performances in it were really, really good. Uh, it, it just didn't live up to the expectations that I had of, of a slasher movie. I, I feel like this movie was just very poorly written in, in terms of just the overall story and plot. Uh, it, at no time in this movie are any characters that you care about in danger. And so it, it leaves you in this weird place watching the movie where you're you're kind of okay with what the killer's doing. And the movie just is is, is just terrible. It, it was so weirdly paint by numbers. The amount of of on screen extras that are like purposely in so many scenes and just don't have any lines at right. all. Oh like, my god! Like, I noticed like, that too. This is, this is the person in the, in the cabin with us that just doesn't say shit, but they're in every scene. And like, I was so bored with with this movie that I was actually counting extras in the background and like pointing them out to my wife as we go. They've had no lines. They've had no lines. But record number of scenes for 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 a you know an extra with with no dialogue. Uh, but yeah, th- this movie just absolutely fell short of the mark. It was a total toss it for me. Uh, I was, and man, man, they really got their their money's worth out of that pink song, <laughs> playing it twice. In the oh movie. my god! It was like it made me eye roll when it was yeah. in the credits. Yeah, they played it in the credits too. I mean, <sighs> I didn't like a decision that they made with a certain character, and I love this actor. She was recently in uh, another thing that I on Netflix that I really loved and I don't like the decision that they made with that character in this movie I was kind of offended by that I was offended with what they did with Gabriel in this movie to be honest with you I did not like that at all um they that the guy that they used as bait I did not appreciate that mm-hmm. there's some stuff that I I'm gonna give it a toss it too Joe I'm, I'm at a toss it on this one as well I I mean, maybe someone else could do something with this idea, but I don't think it worked here. I really don't think it worked here. It felt like, um, I don't know. I was trying to, the only other movie I can kind of compare it to is, and and maybe I'm not, uh, The Hunt with Betty Gilpin. Okay, yeah. I can see that, I guess. Okay, yeah. It's not 100%, but they're, yeah. Um, Jake, what did you think of uh, They Slash Them? Yeah, I hated this. This was a complete toss-it for me. Um, I'm right on there with a lot of the stuff you guys said. I, I just, I, I would have rather have just seen a sleepaway camp riff with LGBTQ plus people in it than what they tried to do. Right. I, I completely agree with the criticism of it. Didn't it would have been more interesting if they would have a leaned into the conversion camp aspect of it more and left all the slasher horror stuff away, or b had a self aware sense of humor about the slasher horror stuff and leaned into that direction. But yeah, they do neither, and so both suffer and both are dumb. 
Um, I always have to laugh at any sex scene that features we still have our pants on dry humping. And this movie features plenty of that, which gives you some good laughs. Um, I Man, this movie also has a very unnecessary um, animal death scene that I thought really served no purpose whatsoever other than to shock the audience. I, I thought that was really, really terrible. And um, yeah, I, I honestly can't think of much redeeming from this movie. I, I guess Kevin Bacon's performance was solid, um, but he really didn't have all that much to work with. And um, yeah, I, I also question how genuine the writer of this movie is to any of the causes of the LGBTQ plus community. I mean, obviously casting did them right, but I'm not so sure that the the morals and the methods that are presented in this movie are really doing anyone any favors. I, I thought in every aspect, this was a toss it. I, yeah, I, it's unfortunate because I thought a lot of the actors were, were fantastic in this. I, you know, stand out for me was Jordan, and it's like, I, I kept thinking at the end of this movie, I was like, man, I hope this is not the end of this actor's career for doing <laughs> this. Because, you know, they really were good in this, in this, in this role. It's just, it's just the, the material that they were given was, a, was not good. Um, Neil, what did you think about They Slash Them? I think I dodged a bullet because I didn't watch it. Neil, is that going to be you this week? Is that going to be you this week? <laughs> <laughs> not watching shit. Is it going to be you this week? I watched a ton of shit. That, that was not one of the things I watched. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So yeah, if this was the only thing you skipped. I think you did right. <laughs> I don't think. I, th- I don't think we're. I, I, th- I think there might be a few more. <laughs> that list was very long. Neil, that, it's, it, there's, it's 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 never any different on this show. <laughs> when has it ever been any different? You wanted to come on. You know how we do things. Uh, I'm still a little bit in shock that Joe tossed this. I I can count on one hand how many things Joe has tossed. Yeah, yeah, this was that bad. <laughs> it is shocking, isn't it? Yeah. Joe will give something. Joe will give something a low taste that just just due to the music sometimes. Yeah, I'm not even being mean with this criticism. I'm just, I, wow, yeah, this was un- irredeemable. It was, it was yeah. bad. <laughs> I, I will second that uh, Theo Germain's performance as Jordan was was really really good. Yeah, and yeah. I would like to see more from from that actor in the future. I, I hope yeah. they do go on to do more stuff because that that the, the performances in this were were pretty good. It's just too bad that they didn't have better stuff to work with i agree man yeah <laughs> yeah pick a lane you know pick a lane you're doing you're uh, too many too many stories going on here you know uh let's talk about luck on apple tv plus this is an animated movie you didn't watch this either did you neil uh we'll, we'll get to it when you, when you come around to me all right and guess what luck no luck brian i didn't watch half of the list this week uh <laughs> Uh, It's a story of uh, Sam Greenfield, the unluckiest person in the world, suddenly finding herself in the never-before-seen land of luck. Uh, She must unite with the magical creatures there to turn her luck around. 
animated fantasy comedy directed by Peggy Holmes and written by Keel Murray, who co-wrote the story with Jonathan Abel and Glenn Berger, based on an original concept by Rebecca Carrasco, Juan D. Rios, and Julian Romero. And it features the voices of Eva Nobleza- Noblezada, Simon Pegg, Jane Fonda, Whoopi Goldberg, Flula Borg, Laurel Howery, Colin O'Donoghue, and John Ransenberger. And, uh, yeah, this is, uh, what is his name? Fucking John Lasseter, who got fired from fucking Pixar. I don't know. He, I think, was he involved in that Me Too shit? Yes, yes, okay. 100%. Uh, he oh, pr- that's too bad. He produced this. Well, he produced a pile of shit, Joe, in my opinion. Um, I hated this movie. Um, <laughs> Yeah, dude. <laughs> so, I mean, John Lasseter aside, I mean, I, I, yeah, we can sit here and talk about what a piece of shit John Lasseter is, but I, I just want to talk about what a piece of shit this movie is, honestly, because it was, it was pretty goddamn terrible. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you know, Pixar makes a lot of movies that have a heart to them. And it has a lot of comedy for the adults that they can enjoy as well. Lovable characters. I didn't, I didn't laugh one fucking time during this movie. And I felt like all the heart was forced. It's like this whole universe. Like you got this girl, Sam, who is 18 years old. She's an, she's an orphan who now has to move out of the orphanage and, and live life on her own. But she's super clumsy. And one day she finds a lucky penny and she's going to give it to this young girl named Hazel at the orphanage so Hazel can find her forever family and she loses the penny in a toilet and meets a talking cat who takes her to the land of luck or whatever the fuck they go to and uh, adventures ensue as she meets (laughs) leprechauns and dragons and and uh, I was bored out of my mind. It was, it was, and it was long too. It was like nearly two hours, and um, it wasn't, it wasn't funny. Nor the, did did I feel like it had heart. It had forced heart, um, and uh, this was a huge miss. Basically, like a, a concept here of like a land of luck where everything's lucky and they control all the luck in the world, and who gets lucky and who doesn't get lucky, and and. Um, it's all about the quest for the her getting a, a a lucky penny and bringing it back so Hazel can get adopted and God damn did I hate this movie it was just not good like it it is not on the level of Pixar I don't care Apple must have just like wanted to do something in the animated realm and they thought John Lasseter was going to be like their fucking, you know, golden goose and give them like, you know, be able to recreate that magic that Pixar's had and this guy, I mean, this <laughs> this guy is out of he's out of, he's out of luck. So, it it, it was not good. I, I give this a toss it and I would never watch this again. And I and I, it'd be interesting to see how kids react to this movie because I don't think it's nearly as fun or as imaginative as like you know stuff like what was that inside out and and uh, uh turning red recently i haven't seen that one yet 
But um, yeah, it, it did not work for me. It's, I'm going to toss it on this one. Jake, what did you think about love? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toss it, toss it, toss it. This was so fucking bad. First of all, I can't believe the main character was supposed to be 18. Like, it's animation. You can design these characters. She looked like she was in her mid-30s. I was shocked by that plot point. Um but yeah, the storyline is like one fetch quest after another. It's like, go find this lucky penny, and then you found that, so you need to find this, and you need to find that. And the whole universe building felt like, I mean, this movie felt like it was written by a boardroom of executives coming up with ideas and just throwing stuff against the wall and making a movie out of it. Like, there's no heart. There's no imagination. It's really weird. Like, it's like fake imagination. Like, it seems like on the surface they've created this amazing world with all these amazing rules. But no, not at all. It is so vapid and so boring. And, yeah, it's an hour and 37 minutes that feels like three-plus hours as you're watching it. Um, yeah, I wish there, there should be a new rating. This was my least favorite thing of the week. I would honestly rather watch They Them twice in a row, which I also tossed than ever have any part of this again um the animation was so bad i just can't get over it It looked like like what a kid show looks like 15 years ago on the disney channel like it looks just fucking awful um yeah hopefully this is it for john lassiter um it'll be interesting to see i mean apple doesn't release numbers so we'll never truly know but man i can't imagine that people are loving this movie no, I, I can't either. I, I'm just at the end of the day. I'm just happy that John Ratzenberger got a check. <laughs> so that, that's because <laughs> I like him. Um, Neil, did you watch Luck? Well, uh, sounds like I looked at because I got ten minutes in and I said, "Nope, I am not watching any more of this bullshit." With the, between the bad animation and the stilted dialogue, it was not for me. And boy, did I make a good choice on that one. All right, because <laughs> it sounds awful. Yeah, no. No, not in it. Joe, did you get a chance to watch this one? I did. Yeah. For me, it was a low taste. It, uh, the ending kind of worked for me, but I, I didn't enjoy the journey to get there well enough to watch it again. <laughs> it, it had so many twists and turns in it that, I mean, this, if you were to draw like a timeline of everything that happens on this on a whiteboard, it'd be just be scribbles. There's just so many back and forths in it, and yeah, I I, uh, <laughs> I I I did I did like the stuff with the 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 world underneath the bad luck world, and and the kind of the switch up that they did there, and I do think that this movie will work just fine for kids, but I think when you look at this movie with adult sensibilities and and, and you start examining it that way pixar movies tend to hold up and they tend to hold up really well under that sort of examination but this movie just did not and i didn't know it was john lasseter i i also didn't know that 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 he's had some some uh allegations and stuff against him Uh, i think that that's kind of too bad because as far as i know he's he's directed more pixar movies than than anybody else i think he's done like five of them so it's it's kind of sad on on multiple levels now to to it seems like he's sinking pretty fast he must be going the way joss whedon i mean even if he wasn't a producer on this it was it was still terrible it was just it was terrible yeah it's it sucks seeing like lassiter and whedon fucking you know turn into pieces of shit so um let's talk about uh bullet train this dropped in the theater last week we 
didn't get to review it then. Um, but uh, yeah, this is uh, Ladybug is an unlucky assassin who's determined to do his job peacefully after one too many gigs has gone off the rails. Fate, however, may have other plans as his latest mission puts him on a collision course with lethal adversaries from around the globe, all with connected yet conflicting objectives on the world's fastest train. Uh, the film is directed by David Leach. Uh, David Leach uh, was one of the one of the two directors. Him and Chad Stahelski did the first John Wick movie together. David Leach went on and did uh, Deadpool two. Uh, it's based on a screenplay by Zach Olkowitz that adapts the Japanese novel Maria Beetle, published in English as Bullet Train by Kotara Osaka. Uh, in addition to Brad Pitt uh, playing Ladybug, the film also stars Joey King, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Brian Tyree Henry, Andrew Koji, Hiroyuki Sanada, Michael Shannon, Benito A. Martinez Acasio, and Sandra Bullock. And... Um, yeah, I, I went to the uh, early screening that they had on a Tuesday, and then I watched this again on uh, on Thursday that week. So I've, I've seen this one twice, and I've seen all the mixed reviews. And um, I, I personally, for the people that did not enjoy it, I don't understand it because I had a fucking blast during this movie. I The comedy worked for me. Brian Tyree Henry and... Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson as Lemon and Tangerine were two of my favorite characters. And I love Brian Tyree Henry always comparing everybody to like a different Thomas the Tank Engine character. And I, I you know, I, I, I and, and for me, I loved all the cameos. Like all the cameos had me like dying at certain points you know i know some people were kind of like annoyed by some of the cameos and the amount of cameos that we got in this movie i personally enjoyed them there's there's one in particular where they talk about a certain character throughout the entire movie and then you get a shot of this who the actor is playing that character in the movie and i fucking i thought it was brilliant i loved it i don't want to spoil who the cameos are but i really did uh, I loved this movie and I loved the action and the, you know, just all the, the setup and how everything comes together, you know, with the boom slang snake and, and one of my fav- one of my favorite scenes is the scene where a character gets bitten by the poisonous venomous boom slang and is dying and um, it's, a, it's a female character and Brad Pitt is you know trying to walk this character do you need some <laughs> do you need some water maybe you should maybe you should have maybe you should have brought some more antidote you know always bring two antidotes he's like oh listen to me i'm mansplaining over here the whole time this character is bleeding from her eyes and dying and i'm dying laughing like i'm just like dying laughing um i I thought it was brilliant. I loved it. David Leach, you know, comes from a stunt background, and I thought that the action was amazing in this movie. I love the music choices in this movie, and uh, the ensemble cast was fantastic. I I would love to see a prequel of uh, Lemon and Tangerine. I thought it was very stylistic, and a lot of people say it's sub- style over substance, and I think it had plenty of substance that, that worked for me. But I love the, 
you know, there's a scene between Lemon and Tangerine where they're debating on how many people that they had killed to rescue this <laughs> person that they're escorting on the train. And as we're as they're recalling how many people they killed, they're actually showing us these flashback scenes, these quick flashback scenes of them killing people and counting along as they go, kind of like breaking the fourth wall within the uh, within these flashback scenes. And uh, I thought that that was so much fun. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So I, I Tupperware this movie. I had so much fun with with Bullet Train. And I'm glad I did see it twice. The first time I saw it, it was in uh, Dolby Atmos. Um, I do feel like this is a, a fun theater experience. So I enjoyed it thoroughly. Joe, what did you think about Bullet Train? I also saw this on the, the sneak preview on Tuesday night last week. And I took uh, my 14-year-old Aiden with me to see it. And this was the first rated R movie that he'd seen in in the theater. And we both had such an amazing time with this. Uh, we, it was a packed auditorium. And my crowd reacted so well to this movie. The, the, this is an absolute Tupperware for me. Uh, I went into this. I had read some of the, the early reviews. And so I went into it without a lot of you know, high expectations. Uh, the, even though the trailer for it, I'd seen multiple times and the trailer really blew me away and I was really looking forward to it. But after seeing those reviews, I was like, Oh man, that's all right. Let's, let's temper the expectations a little bit and go into this. And in the movie blew me away. I, I loved everything about it. I, it had such a great cast. The, the music in it was great with the, the Japanese versions of, of, you know, popular songs. <laughs> and uh, the, the way it was stylized was really fantastic. And I also loved the way that the movie would just spoon feed you bits of backstory as you needed them for the, the current day narrative to make sense. And so the, in terms of pacing and plotting and storytelling, they did a really, really good job with how they did all that. And, but mostly, I think this movie was just super fun from beginning to end. Almost every character in it was was interesting. And every single character had development along the way. And for them to juggle that many things in an action movie is is really impressive. And so I really do not get the negative reviews. It, to, to the cynical part of me just says, damn, what do you just not like fun <laughs> that you got to take a movie like this and nitpick it apart. And also Brad Pitt's character in this, I've never seen him play a character like this. He's, he's, he's like neurotically nice <laughs> and, and very introspective and well, he's like very, this, very funny. He's this assassin that's like kind of tried to reform himself and be very Zen and, He's seeing a psychiatrist named Barry who's brought up throughout the throughout the movie. And I kept thinking to myself, if they make a sequel to this, hopefully we'll meet Barry. I don't know how you do Bullet Train 2 without being on the Bullet Train again. <laughs> so it's like, how are they going to How are they going to Bullet they gonna Train do 2 on a boat? Well, I was thinking speed. <laughs> I was thinking speed too, like the whole fucking cruise control. And I was like, don't, don't do oh, it. Oh, yeah, that's totally what I'm making fun of too. I know. Yeah, don't do it. Um, but I, uh, I think Brian Tyree Henry and Aaron. I loved Aaron Taylor. And jo- Aaron Taylor Johnson was so goddamn good in this movie. Yeah, so goddamn good. The yeah. best thing that I've seen him do. Yes, like since Kickass, maybe. I, you know, 
And yeah, then, without a doubt. As I was watching this, I kept thinking to myself, fuck, dude, I'm so glad you came out with this so we can still remember this after we watch Craven. <laughs> Neil, what did you think about Bullet Train? I had a blast watching this movie. It was super fun. Um, yeah, you guys said a lot about it. I loved, I loved the cameos too. I thought they were very, very well done. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, they came in at the perfect time, especially the, the double cameo we or the triple cameo we got. Yes. Uh, for, for <laughs> Is this a sex thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was super fun. Uh, the action was really, really well done. I mean, I, I expected it to be because David Leitch is very good at action. Yeah. Um, I wish there was a little bit more action in it, but it was it was still it was always good, no matter what. Um, the production value was super slick. It it looked really really good. Uh, the characterizations were very precise and um, unique, and <laughs> tons of fun little character quirks. That it must have been a, a hell of a good time to make this uh, for the actors to just be able to kind of go a little crazy with it uh and it really worked for me it, yeah i don't really get why people are down on this at all because i just it was just a, a fun dumb movie yeah um maybe maybe a little twisty for my st- my my taste but overall i really really enjoyed it i'll give it a really high tasted um it was it was a lot of fun i was definitely the diesel of this episode at the beginning wasn't i <laughs> <laughs> i love that whole running through line too yeah like, so good yeah it was it was good i even the slow-mo in this like when there's a scene where you know the train is you know crashing and brad pitt is flying through the different cars in slow motion and i'm laughing like something hits him in the face and i'm just like this is so ridiculous <laughs> it reminded me a lot of the opening sequence to the first Deadpool movie. Yeah. The credit sequence. Mm. Yeah. That yeah. sense of like fun, kinetic, ridiculous slow motion. It's it's everything I hate about Zack Snyder's slow motion is the exact opposite of the way I feel about this. Oh, see, yeah. I, I love the Zack Snyder slow motion too, man. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> I love that too. Jake, what did you think about Bullet Train? Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I, I'm a Tupperware. This was so great. I didn't see the reviews until after I saw this and was a little bit taken aback by it. Um, I, too, saw the uh, style over substance complaints. And um, I actually disagree with Neil, um, who referred to this as a fun, dumb movie. I thought this was a fun, smart movie. I, I, I thought it knew what it was and went about its way very effectively. Um, I loved the methods of storytelling they used. I loved the flashbacks to catch us up right before a big action sequence. Um, the pacing in this movie is second to none. One of the best paced movies I've seen all year. I mean, it's a little bit over two hours and it felt like half as long as luck did. It felt like I was there for an hour and I was walking out. It, it was so much fucking fun. Um, I, the scene with him and the wolf was one of my favorite scenes and that whole sequence. I was glad that the uh, trailers hadn't kind of spoiled how that was going to go down. Um, yeah, it, it was just so funny and so charming and the people were so likable. I was cracking up at the like running motif of him thinking he was going to get off at every single stop and whatever reason <laughs> there was going to be for him to not be able to do it yet again. I, I Yeah, I thought this movie was was a brilliant popcorn movie. One of the best popcorn movies next to Top Gun of the year. Yeah, 
the briefcase scene where it opens up and i was <laughs> what are the odds and I, oh my god my audience loved it too i i think everybody in my audience had a had a great time during this movie i yeah. just I, I mean i had written down tangerine and lemon were also my favorite characters yes. i definitely think they they were scene stealers they need a prequel they were in. there needs to be a prequel of tangerine yes. and lemon like i would love a prequel movie with just those two i would yeah sign me up i'm there i would love it because like you know i i'd love to see like just even the bolivia mission that was fucked up they've got people <laughs> got people's legs and arms in this gigantic (laughs) grinder (laughs) i had to um i had to exit stage left very fast when this movie ended was there a post-credit sequence i did not google there's a mid very quick mid credit sequence with brian tyree henry if you didn't catch that then you missed out on something very cool in my opinion okay (laughs) i think i did miss out on that yeah yeah, Tupperware for me. I, I I loved it. I yeah. I think it's definitely worth seeing in the theater, and I've seen it twice, and I've had a blast both times watching this. Um, Beavis and Butthead has uh, dropped uh, new episodes on Paramount Plus, and um, I, I did they just drop one episode the first week, or did they drop two? I think they dropped I've two. I've seen two. I've seen two. Me too. Same. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a high taste. It, I, I like it. I think it's, I think it's very good. Uh, th- there's the episode where they have to uh, <laughs> Beavis and Butthead are brought into an escape room, um, <laughs> and instead of actually making it into the escape room, they just they're in the fucking bathroom <laughs> the entire time, <laughs> thinking that is the escape room. <laughs> And uh, I had fun. It, it's a high taste it for me. I, I, I am digging it, um, and I'll continue to watch it. I think Mike Judge, over the years, his 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 comedy has just gotten better with age, and um, you know. So I and, and now you've got Beavis and Butthead instead of this is the only way I'll watch t- TikTok videos willingly is when they make fun of them. So. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, uh, I'll give it a high taste that I enjoyed it. Joe, what did you think about Beavis and Butthead? I was hesitant going into this because I, I remember loving Beavis and Butthead when I was in middle school and, and they first came out. And, and then I, I, I kind of got over them, you know, where, where it was too much. And when I'd he- hear people doing impressions of them, there was nothing that could make me, you know, eye roll faster. And when when the new movie dropped just a few weeks ago, I, I hadn't watched that yet because uh, I was just kind of eh, it's, it's Beavis and Butthead. I, I know what I'd be getting. OK, yep. Been there, done that. And I watched this and I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> uh, it, it was it was actually super entertaining. And in the first episode, uh, w- when we switched to the, the familiar setting of them, you know, not not in their adventure of the of the episode, but in their house on the couch watching TV where back in the day it was, it was always music videos. It was them watching different videos that you would otherwise see on MTV. And, and I loved the update on this, that now they're watching TikToks and making fun of them. And, and then in, in the next episode, we do get some more of the music videos too. Cause when they were the, the one where they were making fun of that country video, uh, it just had me, <laughs> oh, it just had me dying. That was so fucking funny. hilarious, dude. Yes. <laughs> it was so good. And, and, and 
I, I think things hit for me harder when I go into them expecting to not like it, and then instead it, it I just take a real shine to it. And, th- and this was definitely one of those things. It it took me back to to when I was a kid and I first watched it and really liked it. And and I was assuming it was going to take me back to you know the point where I was over it, but no, it, it, this is a really good refreshing update on it. And 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 yeah, I I I loved it. I'm going to give it a high taste it, and uh, I'm going to keep watching it because this it's it surprised me how much I liked it. I'm telling you, Mike Judge is fucking brilliant. He's fucking brilliant. Like you know, uh, Office Space, Idiocracy, King of the Hill. This guy is he's fucking. Br- and I think his comedy has only gotten better with age, and he's aged up too, like us. So, I mean, the characters are telling. I just think they're funnier than they used to be, you know? It's like, it's very, like, when I go back and watch the old episodes, it's really fucking juvenile. But that's, <laughs> but I was also fucking juvenile, and I thought it yeah, was... Yeah, exactly. But he's aged up, and it, even though the characters are just as dumb, it's just the, the stuff that they're talking about, I can still relate to and laugh at how stupid they are in these situa- situations that they're put in, so... I think a lot of that goes to Mike Judge just getting older and even his comedy just gets better. He just gets funnier. Neil, did you watch this? Yeah, I watched both of the first two episodes. Um, I thought the updated animation looked really good as well. Uh, on top of everything you guys have been saying, it, it, it looks really slick. Um, yeah, I love the updated uh, reaction video stuff that they were doing uh it was yeah that was funny as shit um i like the length of the episodes they they felt just like the original length which is nice because they fly by i mean you don't even realize you're at the end of it until it's over like what what happened um yeah i i have a kind of a mixed history with beavis and butthead because i didn't watch it a ton when i was of the age when it was out. Um, but I did love do America. I thought that was a f- fucking hilarious movie. And yeah, th- th- I like the updates to the, uh, the humor. It's, it's definitely not, it's still lowbrow, but it's, it's smarter somehow. Yeah. Uh, yeah made, that makes be. sense. <laughs> the characters aren't any smarter, but the, the, like the actual <laughs> overall like level of jokes have gotten better as you were yeah. saying. It's, yeah. It's not as juvenile. Um, so yeah, I'll give it a high taste as well. It was pretty enjoyable. Jake, where where are you at with Beavis and Butthead? I was pleasantly surprised by the movie. I, I thought it was one of the funniest things I've seen all year. I gave it a Tupperware. So I, I was very excited about the show to see if I would continue just loving the Beavis and Butthead renaissance as much. And I, I'm sad to say I didn't. I, I thought this was a little bit of a letdown, at least for me. Um, I'm going to give it just a solid taste it. I thought all the music video, TikTok, social media stuff was Tupperware high taste material. I kind of hated almost all of the actual adventure outing moments. Um, I really hated the Beavis Fire one. Um, didn't much care for the the honey episode. The, the escape room stuff didn't do much for me. But I did think like, oh man, the ASMR moment and their commentary on that. I was dying. <laughs> I, I I too thought the country music video was probably the best moment of both episodes. Um, I was absolutely dying at Beavis being a BTS fan and knowing all of their names. And, <laughs> and it almost felt like a me and Brian relationship there where Brian clowns me for knowing something that I shouldn't know, like at my age. And, um, <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. I thought 
that, re- that really like hit me and I, I really thought that was just fucking hilarious i honestly if i could watch just the moments where they're on the couch watching stuff like a super clip of all of that i would love that i don't know if i'm gonna go back and watch them because i, I really did not care for the story stuff i, I just thought to me, it wasn't very funny, and it slowed everything down every time it was happening. Yeah, I, I, the Beavis actually meeting like the embodiment of fire was not funny. Um, no, so I, I do have to give it up to like the videos and stuff, the TikTok and the the country music videos. Definitely were the highlights. But since they're such short episodes, it'll have me coming coming back for more. So, yeah. Um, I can understand that. But yeah, Beavis and Butthead, it's on Paramount Plus. So check that out. What, Jake, guess what? We're going to take a break, man. I'm initiating a break. So I wore these adult underwear for nothing this episode? You know what? No. <laughs> you can, you can, okay. All right, fine. Fuck it. We'll keep it going. We'll keep this Tomic, Thomas the Tank Engine going if you want to keep going, Jake. Huh? I'll call your bluff. I'll call your bluff, piss boy. Shit, I'm just kidding. I do not have adult underwear on. I knew it. You're a liar. (laughs) No, I'm just pissing on the floor. Okay. All right, we'll (laughs) take a quick break, and we'll be right back. things number one last episode that we did i talked about a gentleman walking the aisles of walmart eating a turkey leg i want everybody to know that my i went to the store last night and bought two turkey legs (laughs) (laughs) inspiration that guy probably worked for the turkey company Yeah. yeah Yeah, the 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 turkey company, Jake. Yes, <laughs> yes. Big turkey, big turkey, <laughs> fucking big turkey. Yeah, big turkey. And he's spreading the word. It worked. Fucking twenty years later, I buy a turkey like. Uh, and then the second thing on a on a more serious note, um, keep my cat hee hee in your thoughts because um, he's losing weight, and I took him. I took him to the vet, and they had blood work done. I'm waiting to hear back. He did have an ear infection, so getting that taken care of. But um, And I know he's old. He's 13, but it, the, the weight has come off in the past two weeks. And I thought it was just because of, you know, I got a younger cat. You know, I got a kitten, and, and he's been playing with hee-hee and running around and stuff. I thought he was just getting, like, more exercise. But now it's getting to the point where it's like, you know, he still has an appetite and he still eats. It's just, I, he's just not, he's just not as heavy as he used to be. And it, it's starting to worry me. So, um, yeah, just, just keep he, he in your thoughts. So, cause I love the guy and, um, just driving, just dr- even driving to the, and from the vet and thinking about like, 
what what the outcome could be like what's going on with him and it's just like i'm not ready to to think about any option of that doesn't involve him getting better so it's just keep him in your thoughts because I, I love the guy and you know he's a big part of the show for me because he puts me in a good mood so even though you didn't hear it at the beginning of this one <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, much, much love to Hee I hope everything goes well with those results. Yeah, me too. I, I yeah, should hear sure. something back on Monday. And uh, so hopefully it'll be something something easy. But uh, we shall see. Uh, let's talk about uh, uh, Prey dropped on Hulu. And um, this was not a theatrical release. This is the, uh, a follow-up to uh, the Predator movies, that franchise. It's actually the fifth installment in the franchise and is a prequel to the first four films. And um, it's the origin story of the Predator in the world of the Comanche Nation 300 years ago. Nauru, a skilled warrior, fights to protect her tribe against one of the first highly evolved Predators to land on Earth. And um, it's a science fiction horror action film and uh, it's set in the northern Great Plains in North America in 1719. It's directed by uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane director Dan Trachtenberg and written by Patrick Azon. It stars uh, Amber Midthunder from Legion, Dakota Beavers, Michelle Thrush, Stormy Kip, Julian Black, Antelope, Bennett Taylor, and Dane D'Aligro. And um, Dan Trachtenberg has said that this was a David and Goliath story. And um, I will give my rating here in a bit. But uh, as you remember, I was I was kind of like meh on the trailers. Really didn't feel like the trailers brought a lot, in my opinion. And um, But I love Dan Trachtenberg. So I was like, if anybody can do it, it, it it's, it's probably this guy. Hopefully it's this guy. But... Um, yeah, Neil, what did you think about Prey on on Hulu? Um, so I I saw the first Predator movie a couple of years ago for the first time. Wow. Um, and this is the second Predator movie I've ever seen. And I think my track record on Predator movies is pretty goddamn good because I fucking love this movie. Uh, I thought it was really well paced. I, I loved Amber Mid-Thunder in, in Legion. Carrie Laudermilk was such a fanta- fantastic character. Um I thought the CGI was really well done, especially like the invisibility stuff with the Predator. Uh, Love the hatchet rope thing. That was so cool. Uh, a lot of the kills were super brutal, and a lot of the fights were just really brutal, and, and um, it really set the scene. And I, I love the storyline of her kind of coming into her own. Uh, love the, the Chekhov's flower. Um, and I, I did not know that I needed indigenous sci-fi in my life, but apparently I did because I'm Tupperwareing this all the fucking way. This was so goddamn good. And that dog, that dog was so cool. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I fucking love this. They've been doing stuff like this, uh, and fan films, uh, for a while now with the predator. Like there's a, there's a medieval predator, uh, YouTube video that you can watch. You can also, I mean, they've, they've also... There also uh, there's also a, a very similar short film that's like this down to the point where they use like almost the same face paint that they gave Amber Midthunder in this movie and um 
I found out that the people that made that haven't been compensated at all by Disney <laughs> or Fox. Um, but, um, yeah, Joe, what did you think of uh, – what did you rate this, Neil? Tupperware. Tupperware. Uh, Joe, pray. I've no. I want you to. Pray, I want you to pray to our Lord Heaven, and uh, <laughs> I want you to pray right now. To I, no, I'm not getting religious. Go ahead, Joe. I, <laughs> Whoa! I, I know that's weird. <laughs> In nomine Patri et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was really into this idea, this movie from the start. The first time I heard of this, I, I, I was like, yeah, I could totally see this working, and. Man, I I loved this movie. I was absolutely into it from beginning to end. the The cinematography in this is is incredible. the The landscape shots they get of the Northern Great Plains it's just such a beautiful area, and all the the actors in this just knocked it out of the park. I I loved the design they did on the Predator, especially without his mask on. I just the way that they did his face in this one looked really really good. I love the whole period piece aspect to this. I, I had said in the past that I was looking forward to watching the Comanche version of this, but on my Hulu, they didn't have Comanche as an audio option. So I did watch it in English and I loved this. I, I loved Amber mid thunder back from Legion. And so I knew she was going to kill it in this role. And she absolutely did. Uh, just, just everything with her character was so much fun to follow from beginning to end that, that, She's on this track to be a hunter, even though it's not normal for 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 women. The at least the way that this movie portrays it, it seems like it wasn't normal for for women to be hunters and for her to go on this journey to 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 you know a, a stalk hunt something that's hunting you is what she has to do to kind of pass this right to to become a you know a, a hunter or a warrior in in her tribe. They and called it. They called it Kutame. That's what. It, yes. And, and like, I, it's just like, yeah, okay. Your your Kutame is going to be a predator. Like, that's the ultimate <laughs> fucking Kutame, <laughs> right? Oof. Yeah. And, and that's what makes her story so badass. I mean, if you love underdog stories, this is an underdog story. When <laughs> when Dan Trachtenberg said that 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 this is David and Goliath, he is spot on because she she's she hasn't even passed her final tests yet. And and this is what she's going to go up against. And the the relationship that he has with her, that she has with her dog, I thought was fantastic. And I spent so much time worrying in this movie about yeah. this dog <laughs> to the point where it was like, I, like out loud, like if you hurt this dog, I'm in a fucking riot. And <laughs> literally, my first note is that dog better survive. <laughs> <laughs> Did they? I, could they have found a, a more adorable dog? Also, I mean, oh my god, no! They it was just it was I a found, beautiful dog. I found out that this dog didn't have. I, I believe that if this is true, that the dog didn't have an owner. They adopted this dog. Oh shit! Two months before they started filming, because they needed to find a dog that would have been around. Uh, Native Americans at this time, the Comanche at this time, and they found this dog and adopted this dog. Hopefully, this dog has a family by now. If not, I'll take him in. But uh, yeah, no shit. But yeah, uh, I found that pretty interesting that they were trying to be very, you know, it's a period piece, and they were even trying to be accurate as far as like the dog breeds go. That's awesome. 
that makes the film very meta when she's having the conversation with her mother at the beginning and her, her mom says something about the dog and how well it's been trained and she says that <laughs> yeah it's a smart dog and <laughs> very meta because that dog didn't have very much training before it came in this movie and in what a i absolutely believed the bond that, that that dog had with with our with our lead uh I loved the relationship with her and her brother, how much her brother had her back and kind of believed with her or believed in her, but also, you know, he- hesitantly was trying to get her to see that, that maybe she's not right. And I, I just loved the way that that whole story panned out. And I, I couldn't have been happier with this movie. I, I love the first predator movie is one of those movies from my childhood that me and my friends would watch over and over again. You know, it was, it was one of one of Arnold's greats from back then and and every movie following it has not lived up to it in this one i feel like it lived up to that legacy of the past it, it was refreshing to finally get a predator movie that i'm stoked to rewatch because so far I'd, i'm sure i've rewatched the second one a few times but i i know none of the follow-ups i've ever watched more than once if you're a fan of the predator uh and uh I, I just let now that now that Disney has bought Fox, they also own the comic book rights to the Predator. So comic book rights have gone over from Dark Horse to Marvel now. And uh, coming out very soon, I think maybe in September, um, we're going to September or October, uh, Ed Brisson is going to be writing Predator. <laughs> so I'm looking, that's exciting. Yeah. That's, you're talking about a guy in comics that just is uh, just an incredible writer, Ed Brisson. Be interesting to see what he does with uh, with Predator. Jake, what did you think about uh, Prey? Yeah, I'm right there with the other guys. I, it was a total Tupperware for me. This movie was so much fun. Easily the best Predator movie since the original Predator. Um, Amber Midthunder. I mean, this is going to shoot her to superstardom. I think. I if people didn't know her before, everyone's going to know her now. Uh, yeah, Trachtenberg, the direction, the cinematography so fucking good so interesting um i thought the third act of this movie was so smart like one of the smartest third acts i've seen in a long time like every little piece of information that you got in the first two acts meant something in the third act and all all added up to just an amazing climactic finale i i was just like wowed by the level they went to with the writing when it came to the third act and seeing how it unfolded. Um, yeah, the relationships were great with her and her brother. I, I love that so much too. It was like this weird fine line between like him respecting her, but like, like there's still walls that he can't break down with his family and, and his tribe that, so he kind of has to walk on eggshells when dealing with what she should be doing with her life. And, uh, that stuff was dealt with so beautifully, um, yeah, this movie was fantastic. I, I can see this as the kind of movie that, that I'm going to pull out once every two, three years and, and watch again. Like if I watch the original Predator, I don't want to watch anything else after except this. I, I don't need any of the middle. Yeah, um, I wanted to when I when my experience with this, I wanted to make sure, you know, since it's not playing theatrically and it's a Predator movie that I wanted to I wanted to have the closest experience to a theatrical experience that I could experience at home. So actually, my sister has a front projector with surround sound. So I was like, hey, can I go over there and I'm going to watch this new movie? And she's like, sure. So I went over there and uh, put it on the projector, cranked up the fucking volume on the surround sound. And uh, started to watch Prey, and I was 
thoroughly impressed with everything in this movie. Um, I, I do have like maybe one or two gripes. Uh, let me get into what I'll get in my gripes here real quick and get those out of the way. Cause I do want to kind of like fucking gush over this movie to be quite honest with you. Cause I, <laughs> I did love it. I don't like the CGI predator face. I do prefer much prefer the original prosthetic face that we got in the original. This one had more of a CGI look. Um, so maybe that's my only complaint to be called. I, I did think maybe some of the animal, um, CGI wasn't great, but still for this level of, of, a, of, a, of it being a Hulu movie, I was impressed. Um, her brother was a fucking badass. I loved watching him circling the predator and fighting the predator. That was fucking incredible. Um, I loved this. I was really worried about like how they were going to use the mud. And I know that sounds silly. How they were going to use the mud in this movie. And there was a mud swerve and I fucking thought it was brilliant. Like it never fucking came up. I was like, holy shit, that is awesome. I loved how we've got a predator who's arriving, you know, 200 plus years earlier than the one we saw in the you know the original Predator movie, and he's using more primitive primitive technology than the one that we saw in the Schwarzenegger Predator. I mean, it's advanced tech. Don't get me wrong, um, but this version that they call the Feral Predator is using much more simplistic technology than the one that we'd originally seen, like the. The, the camouflage sections on, on the armor are, are, are larger. When it gets hit, it turns a different color. Um, he's got less armor. The, the um, heads-up display that the feral predator uses, is, it's less futuristic than the one that we see in, in the Schwarzenegger film. Um, and he's not using the shoulder-mounted plasma cannon in this one either. Which I, that's, these are things that I was kind of worried about going into this one. Like some, you know, the predator that that we see in the Schwarzenegger movie totally outmatches, I think, what, what, what Amber Midthunder and the Native Americans and even the French trappers that we see in this movie, it outmatches them. It's like, so you have to make this predator a little bit more primitive. But on the flip side, this thing is not, this thing is fucking strong as shit and i'm this is not the first time i've ever thought to myself i want to see a predator fight a bear i remember (laughs) i'm not even kidding you as a fucking kid i'm like i would love to see this thing go up against like a like a lion or a bear like what would what would a lion or a bear do and this movie gives us it's like it's like oh you remember that scene from the revenant Instead of Leonardo DiCaprio, we're going to give you a feral predator and we're going to show you how this fucking plays out. And like (laughs) this motherfucker gets laid the fuck out. It was awesome. It was fucking awesome. Um, I loved this movie. The orchestral music that they used was incredible. It reminded me of like the last of the Mohicans and and the music that would play in that movie, but they're putting it here in a Predator movie. Um, 
I liked all the stuff that they did with like the French trappers and them getting their asses handed to them by the predator. <laughs> I wrote, Fucking white people. <laughs> I note for them. <laughs> it was uh. it was awesome. It was awesome. I, I it, it, this this was fucking incredible um uh i also wanted to point out if uh, at the end of the movie in the end credits they show this artwork and basically they replay a lot of like the moments that happened in the movie with the artwork but there is another scene of the ship returning after the head is presented to the tribe leader and so if you watch Predator 2, when the Predators returned in that movie, they presented Danny Glover with like a trophy because he defeated their Predator. They took the body and left him with a trophy and it was a, it was a musket. And in this one, the, it's the same musket. They didn't leave her with the musket, but the, she had the musket. It's the same musket, though, from that fucking movie. Um, and it's... Uh, it's got the name inscribed on it, Raphael Adelini. And it's, yeah, it's dated 1715. And that one, yeah, it was given to Lieutenant Mike Harrigan at the end of Predator 2. And that's the same musket. So, I mean, I don't know if they're going to do anything as far as like a follow-up. I, I would love to see him come back and do something more and have have the Predator either, you know... I would love to see Dan Trachtenberg do it in another time period. I would love to see yeah. more Predator period pieces. I um, agree. Totally. So, I mean, uh, in the Dark Horse comics, they've had them show up in, like, the Civil War. And I would not be opposed to to seeing some of this shit kind of play out uh, in, in future movies. And, um, yeah, I loved it. Oh, the actor that played the Predator, um, got to give him some credit here, Dane D. Liegro. Uh he is six foot nine and he's actually five and a half inches shorter than Kevin Peter Hall, who played the original Predator. Hall was seven foot two and a half. Jesus Christ. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal is seven two, dude. It's quite yeah. a big difference between him and the original guy that we're gonna have play the Predator of John Claude Van Damme. That's true. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> oh man, I loved the art in the end credits. I thought that was such a nice touch. It was just really cool, and just that added little like instead of a post credit scene, you get a little extra art past what you saw in the movie. I thought that was just a really a really smart way to do the credits. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I need. I don't know if I need this story. I mean, no. This story is finished. Like you know, yeah. she defeated the predator, but I would not be opposed to another movie set in a different you know like before this i would have been like oh man fuck it i need i need dave batista i need the rock i need john <laughs> cena i need them to just that's what i need oh, that would be pretty fun too it would be fun <laughs> it would be fun but after watching this it's like man you know what a perfect i mean it's not like they did it's it, it because he did fight warriors in the first movie but this is it's just a different type of warrior. And I, 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 I loved it. I loved it. I, I, I loved the dynamic she had with her brother. Her brother was a fucking badass, too. And uh, oh, her, her brother was so fucking awesome. Yeah, dude. 
Oh my oh, god. Prey is one of a the tough only uh, one of the only questionable things about this movie to me was I thought it was a little bit of a poor choice to play the uh, MC Hammer song Prey during the end credits. <laughs> I think that that didn't really fit at all. I think they didn't understand. We got to pray just to make it today. So, yeah. I love that shield thing that he had the predator had as well. Oh, it was fucking oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, I loved it when it, fuckers. Yeah, when it cut that dude's head off. And I, lo- I loved his spear too that would come apart so that he would have like yeah. kind of a club in one hand and like a, almost like a sword in the other. I liked how she couldn't use it either. It was like, yeah, yeah kind of like uh, DNA kind of matched to him, you know. I'm sure this sounded awesome in the in the surround sound too because the foley work on all the different predators' weapons and just so much great foley work in this movie. The sound I, design was spectacular. I would be lying if I told you I didn't rewind the bear fight scene three times (laughs) that's incredible i'm telling you man like that's That's one one thing you don't get in the theater (laughs) oh man i rewound i rewound it three times and watched it three times i was like this is just so fucking awesome like holding the i'm sorry holding the bear up as the blood's ripping off and he's still camouflaged i was like this is fucking insane (laughs) and just thinking about like that's your introduction to seeing this thing for the first time like how fucking scary is that like put yourself in in her shoes and imagine keeping your shit together to do what you have to do next after witnessing that holy shit um right I read she didn't already go through the most terrifying experience running away from that bear and then to see something that can take out a bear so easily. Yeah. Oh, God. It was scary. I, I, the tension was so good during all that. I read that the, the scene with the rattlesnake and the rattlesnake striking, the rattlesnake could see the predator because they have they can they have different like they can see like um, uh, thermal. thermal thermal. Exactly. So they, like the, they almost have like the same kind of like the predator uses it as like technology can see like the heat, you know? Uh, but the, the, the snake is almost like the predator in that way and could see the predator, but that was fucking insane. Just the watching the claw, just destroy that fucking rattlesnake. <laughs> and I get, um, Oh, there's the scene where the rabbit is being chased by the wolf and, and the predator goes after the wolf and, the rabbit survives and they get a shot of the rabbit. And I, I said out loud, my hero. <laughs> mm. I loved it. I was, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. It's, it is the second best predator movie ever made. Um, and it does some things even better on its own, but I, I'm sorry. Predator's always going to have the edge because it was just that first fucking introduction, and it's got the so original. It's so original, yeah. Yeah, It's but man, this is this is it's yeah. It's basically Predator and Prey. Those are the two movies that I acknowledge. You know, I there's stuff there's stuff I acknowledge in the second movie, but it's still never got even close to the original. But yeah, that's Prey, and it's on uh, it's on Hulu, and it's their number one streamed movie of all time on Hulu. And uh, I at C, C, you're you're going robotic on us, Neil. Um, but uh, at C two E two, one of the artists had painted a, a, a I think it was a, maybe it was a print. I, I didn't really look at it too much. 
but it was a print of like um, the the Prey movie and some artwork that they original artwork they had made from the movie. And now after seeing the movie, I'm just hitting myself for not buying it. So I love. Yeah, it. damn, they were on the pulse of pop culture having that out that weekend. Oh, they know, they know. Yeah, yeah they know. Uh, I went to the theater this week. Uh, I watched a movie called Emily the Criminal. Uh, Emily is saddled with student debt and locked out of out of the normal job market due to a minor criminal record. Desperate for income, she takes a shady gig as a dummy shopper, buying goods with stolen credit cards supplied by a handsome and charismatic middleman named Youssef. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's written and directed by John Patton Ford. It stars Aubrey Plaza as uh, Emily. Uh, Theo Rossi plays Youssef, and uh, Gina Gershon. Gina Gershon has a role in this movie for a real split second, but um, yeah. So you've got uh, Aubrey Plaza playing Emily, and yeah, she there's she. It was an aggravated assault, and she got. Uh, I think it was it was a felony charge, and so she can't get like a regular job. So she's working for a catering service, and she's like, what was it? School debt and everything. It was like seventy thousand dollars in debt overall, and she's she's she like sent off a check for like four hundred dollars, and it barely covers any interest on like on these debts. So she's like, she's she's freaking out. And anytime she gets a job interview for something that she's passionate about because she's in graphic design, they always they see her record and she doesn't get the job. So one of the guys that she works with tells her, like, hey, text this number and if they give you a time, you go meet them and you can make two hundred dollars in an hour. It's really easy. So she goes to this she goes to like this warehouse and basically She's at this – there's all these other people that are there for it as well. And it's Theo Rossi as this character, Yusuf, and he's like, listen, what you're about to do today, you'll make $200 in one hour, but it is illegal. And if you have a problem with that, you can leave right now. You don't have to do it. But if you stick around, it's safe. Don't worry about it. You, you won't, no harm will come to you. And if you do what we tell you to do – You'll make $200 in an hour. And so they give her a fake ID. They give her a credit card. She walks into an electronic store. She purchases like a, a very expensive television set, walks out, presents it to them. They hand her $200 in cash. Then they give her a phone and they say, if we text you tomorrow, then you can do another job. And now you can make $2,000. And so from then on, it, she starts to go down this kind of like rabbit hole of, of this credit card fraud. And um, she gets closer to the guy that's at the top of this thing. One of the guys at the top of this, uh, of this uh, scam. And um, she puts herself in danger by doing this. There is a scene in this movie that had me fucking shook. Like, she'd been playing, she'd been doing it for a while, making good money, and then she fucking, she she loosens up a little bit and makes a mistake, and it kind of bites her in the ass, and 
and it had me shook what she had to go through. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And then there's a there's actually an animal involved. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm about ready to fucking cry in the theater. But at the at the end of this movie, I fucking loved it. This is an absolute Tupperware. This is such a great movie. I don't want to get into it too much because I don't want to spoil it. But if it is playing near you, I highly recommend it. Aubrey Plaza is so goddamn good in this movie. She's fantastic. This is an absolute Tupperware. And if you can't see it in the theater, I highly recommend that once it is available to rent or it's on streaming somewhere, watch Emily the Criminal. You will not be disappointed. I promise you. Joe, we recently watched that movie Vengeance, which I absolutely love. This is another one of those, like, you know independent films that kind of like came out of nowhere that just took me by surprise that I absolutely loved. Nice. Yeah. I was disappointed that it wasn't playing anywhere around me. It's very, very good. I highly recommend Emily, the criminal. I give it the highest rating. It's an absolute Tupperware. And I thought Aubrey Plaza is just so goddamn good in this fucking movie. And, um, yeah, yeah. Emily, the criminal, um, bodies, 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 Joe, did you get a chance to see this one? I did. I was able to see it earlier today. When a group of of rich 20-somethings plan a hurricane party at a remote family mansion, a party game goes awry in this fresh and funny look at backstabbing fake friends and one party gone very, very wrong. It's directed by Helena Rain, and it stars Amandla Stenberg, Maria Bakalova, Maya Hala Harold, Chase Suisse Wonders, Rachel Sennett, Lee Pace, and Pete Davidson. And it's an A24 film. And, I mean, I I remember watching the trailer for this one, and they get together and they play this game called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And then from the trailer, you kind of see that, like, this game, something happens in this game and real people start dying. And it just looked like it was just absolute insanity. So I was like, I got to check this movie out. Pete Davidson's in it, A24. This might be very good. Um, But yeah, Jake, tell us a little bit about the movie and what you thought. Yeah, right away. I'm going to give it a taste. It's, you know, just like you said, they they play this game and it seems like someone is really killed. I, I, I expected this to be a little bit more chaotic and mayhem filmed than it was. It was a little bit more of a wink at the audience comedy kind of commentary on Gen Z than I was expecting from the trailer. Um, It definitely had moments that made me laugh, but I I never thought it was quite hysterical and it was never as thrilling as I wanted it to be. Um, I thought Lee Pace was absolutely hysterical in his role. I I thought he really killed it. Um, And yeah, I thought the the ending was interesting and I I kind of applaud the choice they they made at at the end. But I don't know. Overall, I was expecting maybe a little bit more insane violence, a little bit more of the thriller feeling of the mystery of trying to figure out who's actually doing the killings here. It it was just I don't know. I felt like it was a little bit misleading on on what I was going to see. And a lot of times I can get over that if what I see instead just really wows me. But what I got here instead just wasn't as good as I wanted. Um, A little bit disappointed by this. Solid tasted, though. Joe, what did you think about bodies, bodies, bodies? I had a very similar experience. I went into this with really high hopes. Uh, Every time I saw the trailer for this, it got me really excited to see the movie. And and going in, I, I really thought 
this was going to be like a like a slasher movie and it's it's just really not it, it's it's much more of a dark comedy that that is this this take you know on the on the what generation is it called jake gen z <laughs> gen z i mix the labels up all the time um it it is it's it's this dark comedy take on gen z and the performances i thought were pretty good lee pace was my favorite part of this uh <laughs> there's a there's a a development with his character's backstory that happens later in the movie that i thought was was really funny that i didn't see that part of it coming but but otherwise i had this movie figured out like maybe a third of the way into it i was like yeah this is what's going on and then the movie continued to just bear that out and and so i was left a little bit disappointed cuz it, it wasn't the type of movie that i thought we were going to get and and it it didn't wow me enough with with what it did. So yeah, it's just a middle of the road taste it for me. I I kept forming like I kept trying to think like I kept thinking like oh there's got to be a twist. And so I was trying to figure out the twist in the movie. And I had my I had I I was dead set that it's going to be this thing. It's going to be this thing. And it wasn't that thing. And so I kind of appreciated the movie a little bit more than you guys because it did kind of catch me by surprise as to, like, you know, like what we find out at the end. And it just reminded me of it kind of reminded me of, like, um, very bad things where just. Yes, (laughs) very much. All these very bad things. And I loved that movie when I was younger. And so. I, it kind of carried over into this one. I kept thinking, you know, like the first thing we see in this movie is like them in the pool and they're holding their breath in the pool. <laughs> yeah, I thought that that was going to come into play. I kept thinking that the character that dies first was holding their breath and pretending. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah totally. And then I was just like, okay, all this shit that's kind of unfolding throughout the movie is like completely unnecessary and was just a prank. And, and so, and so when that didn't happen, I was just like, okay, all right, okay, you got me, and I liked it. I'm gonna give it a high taste. It so it, it held my attention. I don't, I don't think my theater. I couldn't tell what they thought. It's like I. It was pretty packed too. There's a lot of people Mine as out. Well. Mine as well. Yeah. I saw it Friday night. I saw it. Yeah, I saw it Friday night as well. I went to the 7 o'clock showing, and and uh, I couldn't tell if people enjoyed this one or not. Um, not a lot of reactions, but I, I do agree that Lee Pace was, like, the standout in this movie. I I loved him in this movie. He was great. And, Joe, the, the, the reveal about his character, I was just <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I too was like, oh my god. That was wild. That was wild. Uh, yeah. I thought this had a killer soundtrack though, too. It yeah. did have a good soundtrack. I thought the soundtrack was good, but the score was bad. Anytime it was like score, it was like screechy noises with bass drops. It was like very paint by numbers horror movie score in a movie that didn't deserve that kind of score. Uh, yeah, I thought one of, one of the funnier parts was when they're talking about playing the game Bodies, 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 and the one character says, this game always just leads to us fighting, and the, the Pete Davidson character's like, yeah, that's the point of it. <laughs> that's what makes it fun. Uh, kind of a weird... I'd never heard of this game before seeing this movie. Yeah, is it a real game? 
I assumed it was. Mm, I have no idea. I'd have to look that up. I have no idea. Um, uh, the Sandman finally <laughs> gets adapted. I remember when it was supposed to be a movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and that didn't go. They've been trying to do this for years, and finally we get to, I believe, was it nine episode first season here on Netflix? Um, a rich blend of modern myth and dark fantasy in which contemporary fiction, historical drama, and legend are seamlessly interwoven. The Sandman follows the people and places affected by Morpheus, the Dream King, as he mends the cosmic and human mistakes he's made during his vast existence. So uh, in the series, Dream is the personification of dreams and one of the seven endless, and he is captured in an occult ritual in 1916 and he's been held captive for 106 years he escapes and sets out to restore order to his realms the dreaming uh it's based on the comic book of the same name written by neil gaiman and published by dc comics the series was developed by neil gaiman david s goyer and alan heinberg and um in the uh some of the some of the standout roles here is tom sturridge as Morpheus, uh, we've got Boyd Holbrook as the Corinthian, Patton Oswalt as the voice of Matthew the Raven, uh, David Thewlis as John Dee, and then Gwendolyn Christie plays Lucifer Morningstar, the ruler of hell. And uh, I, I made it a point to watch the entire first season. I felt like if I'm, I felt like I really needed to watch the entire first season to kind of sum up like how I felt about this series. I will say that it is very faithfully adapting um, the comic. Um, I I did enjoy the first four episodes a lot more than the rest of the series. I felt like the pacing and some of the acting in the last few episodes it was different like since it is faithfully adapting the comic i i felt like the story just really changes after like the first four or five episodes it goes from this guy who gets captured and is you know being held prisoner for 106 years and then has to go and get his bag of he has to regain his power and in order to do that he has to get his artifacts back so he has to get his mask he has to get his ruby and he has to get his bag of sand and once that's all kind of completed we move like the story completely changes and our villain completely changes. I know Corinthian's been around, but then it focuses more on the Corinthian relationship and then this new threat of the Vortex. And I enjoyed the first part a lot more than I did the second part. This is a really weird one for me to rate because I was invested in this entire season but I didn't love everything in the season. I did love the episode. There's an episode where a character is granted. Uh, it's a human who's granted um, uh, life. Like they can live forever, like eternal life. 
And he vis every 100 years, him and this human character meet at this bar. And it's kind of just like the gods, like, dream wanting to see if, like, if a human would want to live that long or they'd just get sick of this existence. And so every 100 years, they follow up in this bar. And I, I enjoyed the episode quite a bit. I, it was kind of like a nice break from, like, the first part and then and then a break from like getting into the whole vortex episode i thought that that episode was really well done and i would give that one a tupperware um just kind of like the the social experiment of giving a human eternal life and how much they change over a hundred years and how little he knows about the man who granted him this eternal life and and coming back every hundred years and seeing if this character is like rich or if he's poor, it, it was it was interesting. I, I I really dug that. My big, I didn't think the actress that played the vortex was very good, <laughs> but I think Tom Sturridge as Morpheus is phenomenal. I think the guy is great. I was also taken out by. I really wanted to just go into this and not be in take. I was taken out by Patton Oswalt's voice as Matthew the Raven. Mm-hmm. I really yep. feel like they could have cast anyone else in that role with not such a recognizable voice, and it would have been much. His voice more. is all over the place. Lately. It is. It's he's Modoc. He's Pip the Troll. He's he's everywhere. And I I don't feel like you needed Patton Oswalt in this. You could have got somebody else. It feels like it's like okay, we've got a we've got a voice a char- we got a, a character that we need a voice for. Who's available? Oh, Patton Oswalt and Jason Mansukas. That it's are those the. <laughs> Are those the only two motherfuckers that you can get for fucking characters and voices and shit? It's ridiculous. So Patton Oswalt took me out as Matthew the Raven. I think it's a cool character. I just don't think it should have been given to Patton Oswalt. Um, I'm all over the place with this series because I I would high taste like the first four episodes. I would the the episode the the, the episode is a Tupperware for me where they're. Um, oh, I, I love Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer Morningstar. That whole him battling her, that was a Tupperware. I, I am right at, overall, I'm right at a taste it on this one. If I have to just lump them all together because it's like some are Tupperware, some are high taste it's, and, and then some are just like, low taste it's and the pacing's not great mostly the vortex stuff i i really wasn't getting into so i'm all over the place with this one but i am invested enough to definitely watch season two if it does get greenlit so um and and there are some standouts like david thewlis as john d um who played burgess he is burgess's son david thewlis was great in this fantastic and Tom Sturridge's Morpheus is great. Gwendolyn Christie was great. Uh, Boyd Holbrook as the Corinthian, great. Joe, more, more Boyd Holbrook, man. We could always use more Bo- <laughs> yes. Boyd, Boyd Holbrook. He's going to be in the new Indiana Jones, right? Yes, he's going to be in the new Indiana Jones. He was in Vengeance, which we watched. I loved him in Logan. Give this guy the right stuff, and he's going to fucking deliver. If you give him the right stuff, he's going to deliver. So... I'm going to taste it. And, and, and I'm not saying it's bad because there, what it does great, it does great. It just, I felt like we got, we, we, they covered a lot 
in the first season. And a lot of it I loved, and some of it I didn't love as much. So I feel like a fair rating for me is a taste it with a promise to watch season two, to give season two a definite, a definite go. Um, Joe, what did you think about uh, The Sandman? Uh, I've been really looking forward to this. I was a fan of the comic book and Neil Gaiman just in, in general. I, I love his stuff. He's got a brilliant mind. And knowing that he was so involved with this and then seeing the the teases and the behind the scenes stuff leading up to this, I was very excited for it to come out. I've watched uh, up through episode six so far, so I haven't watched those last four episodes yet. And so far, it's a Tupperware for me. Uh, I think the performances in this are really fantastic. I think they did a really good job adapting some of the visuals from from the comic book and putting them into live action. It just looks great. The The whole first story arc that goes through the first five episodes of Morpheus being prisoner to this, as he calls it, amateur wizard, and and where that goes and, and how that culminates it's it's very similar to the the issue in the comics which is just it's it's one of those issues of a book that'll just leave your jaw on the floor and they did a very good job adapting that the 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 diner episode but for me the the favorite episode i've seen so far is episode six uh that one's called beneath her wings and that's that one that you'd mentioned earlier with with the guy having the the you know living continuing to to choose to live on for another hundred years and i almost feel like that episode works like a bottle episode yeah to where if you're on the fence about this and and you just want to give something you know less than an hour of your attention and see if it hooks you just throw on episode six and watch it i for me i had a very emotional reaction to that episode i i thought it was just beautiful it's it's the episode itself is almost split into two parts where it's the first part it's him just kind of following his sister death around for a day as she does her job. And and she explains her philosophy to humanity, to him. And then the, the, the latter half of it is these series of, of, of events that happen every hundred years with him meeting this guy in this bar and all the ups and downs in this guy's life through the years. And, and the lessons that, that Morpheus learns in this and the way that the episode culminates, it's just, it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite episodes of television, I think, probably ever. Like, I, I really, really love that episode. Um, but like I was saying, I haven't watched the last four episodes yet. It sounds like, Brian, to you, that's where it starts to fall apart. Uh, it's so. not. Yeah, I, it's just not on the same level for me, honestly. I, I, I did enjoy the first six episodes a lot more than I liked the last four. And, and yeah, and those first five episodes are very strong, too. All the performances in it are great. David Thewlis plays such a good, creepy character. Um, I'm blanking on the actor's name, but he, he played Tywin Lannister in Game of Thrones. Oh, Charles, Charles Dance. Dance. Charles Dance. Yeah, I can't believe I was blanking on his name. <laughs> I, I, I loved his, his performance in this, and uh, I'm very excited to see this keep going. And I hope uh, Neil Gaiman uh, continues to, to stay involved in it. Yeah, Jake, what did you think? 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of the source material. Um, I know DC's done a lot of stuff with it in the last 15 years. I haven't touched a piece of that, but I, you know, I've read the original 75 issue run that that Gaiman did, and it's kind of where Gaiman started the Gaiman thing, right? Where he assigned these like human archetypes to these characters of mythology, it, kind of a gimmick that Gaiman would continue to do for the rest of his career including up to this day you know i think american gods uses that formula a bit good yeah. omens is definitely another slice of that pie yeah um but this is where it all started this is where that formula kind of got honed into perfection um i was a big fan of the audible series that's come out in the last couple of years i don't know if you guys are familiar with that but um james mcavoy plays morpheus in that and there's a bunch of other people in that as well cat dennings is death in that version um i thought that was very well done and i, I was very excited to see how this was going to go and uh yeah i quite like it a lot it's a it's a tupperware for me as well i i'm five episodes in i just finished the the diner episode and i i thought that was also just genius uh, how they executed that i think one of the most stunning things about this show is where it's forced to go off the tracks from the comic books and how well they've handled that. Because um, this show kind of writes out the DC history yes. side yeah. of everything that went into the comic book. And I was very curious how they were going to handle that. Uh, the Audible actually just goes whole hog into it and doesn't worry about cutting that out. But I knew for Netflix, because of like the studios and the deals, like we obviously weren't going to have you know, John Constantine. We weren't going to have... Um, David Dewis straight up playing Dr. Destiny and being in Arkham Asylum and all those kind of connections, which really played heavily on the character in, in the comic book, like leading to where he was. And I, I thought the writing and having Gaiman involved and making those necessary changes to write out the DC universe was executed brilliantly from what I've seen so far. Um, and I think if you haven't read the comics, you're not going to feel like there's any kind of a, a missing hole there in the story with any of the stuff involving that I, the execution was just brilliant and I, I think if Gaiman wasn't involved that kind of thing could really go off the rails really fast where it would feel like you were missing like a certain chapter of this um interesting to hear what you say about the second half of the series um that is definitely very faithful to the comic I mean this was a comic that would just very much have one shots or completely different storylines the second something else ended with really no like pause to breathe in between and that could come off a little bit jarring at times even in the comic book so yeah i'm interested to see how the tv show handles that and i'm very interested to see how long it takes them to get through the uh, 75 issues because um i don't know where this leaves off but God, at the most, it feels like three seasons worth of material to me before you're either writing original material or you're doing stuff that DC did later on down the road. Um, I do know that Gaiman himself returned to the comics to do a book that was illustrated by uh, J.H. Williams III, who I absolutely adore his artwork. I have not read this comic, but I'm really interested in it. I guess it's all a prologue and explains better how Morpheus was weakened enough to be captured by uh, Roderick Burgess in the first place. Hmm. And uh, the artist is so good and the material is so good that I'm actually very interested in maybe buying that trade paperback and just reading that. But yeah, this was a Tupperware for me. I, I kind of purposely slow burned it a little bit. I, I, I just don't want it to be done. I'll probably watch a couple more episodes in the next couple of days and just maybe two episodes at a time, like every three or four days for me, just to see how this goes. I, I, I'm very much enjoying it. I'm glad it finally got put out. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see more. I hope there's a second season as well. Yeah. Yeah. Neil, what did you think? 
Yeah, so I watched the first four episodes, uh, and I I never read the comic, um, so I have no connection to the source material at all. Um, I love Charles Dance. I've loved him ever since Last Action Hero. Uh, <laughs> it's fucking fantastic in that. The production value in this is fantastic. Like, it is a gorgeous show to look at. Um I also found Patton Oswalt to be very jarring. I love Patton Oswalt. He's one of my favorite comedians of all time. But he has such a recognizable voice that it, did, it didn't seem to fit the, the, like the style of the show. It was just really off-putting for me. Um, I didn't care about any of these characters. I will not be watching any more of the show. Uh, I, I, just not, I didn't connect with anybody. I, I love the performances were great. But I just didn't care what happened to anybody in the show. Uh, I'm going to give it a taste it solely on technical ability, but I have no interest in watching any more of the rest of the season or future seasons. Interesting. Yeah, we're kind of all over the place because I loved the first half and didn't like the didn't love the second half, honestly. And uh, Jake and Joe loved it and you did not like it. So are you out of the toss it? No, I'm going to taste it for production oh. value alone. Okay. Um, my enjoyment, I, I'd give it a low taste it if it wasn't so gorgeous. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to uh, I Am Groot on Disney+. Plus. I'm not going to say a lot about this. I watched, what is it, five episodes or whatever it was? Yeah, five. Yes. Yeah, five episodes. Two-minute two episodes? Yeah. yeah. Two to three minutes. Because <laughs> yeah, the credits are half the episode. Oh, God. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't care for this. I, I didn't like it, honestly. <laughs> nope. I didn't care. <laughs> I, I, I'm i at a toss it for I Am Groot. I, I, uh, I didn't care. I, it's just... It, I, I couldn't tell maybe you. Maybe not like the character much. What's that? And maybe not like the character that much. He's a little sociopath. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, classic James Gunn character. I, I, <laughs> I, I it just, it just, it, I didn't find it particularly funny. Um, I didn't care what he was getting up to. I, the, there's a couple episodes where I just kind of like zoned out, and then it was like, oh shit, it's over. Okay, good, whatever. <laughs> just watch the next one. <laughs> Be done with it. Go back to the menu and get to the next one. <laughs> yeah, I didn't care. I'm at a toss it. I, it was just too. I think it's just for the kids, and it's something cute to put on for the kids. But I didn't care for it. Um, Jake, what do you think about I Am Group? Yeah, I am also at a toss it. I, I thought the animation was stunning, but yeah, it was just utterly pointless. Um, I never really laughed at it. It was never really that funny. I, I think I maybe agree with Neil a little bit where it kind of detracts from how much I liked Groot just from the previous two movies. Um, I don't, I might've been at a taste it, but I was so annoyed by the, uh, how I couldn't just click a button to go to the next episode. <laughs> and every time I had to go back to the home menu, Disney plus get your shit together. Like just, this is the same fucking show. Have it all on a fucking list. Let me play all. I don't understand what's going on here, especially when they have, every foreign language of credits possible at the end of each of these episodes. It, it almost felt like a troll job in, in a little way. Um, yeah, yeah, I was all- so pissed off. I was so pissed off because I was like, oh, I'm just going to let it run all the way through and the next episode will start. And then it took me back to the fucking menu. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't. Whoever made that decision, they do the same thing with the fucking Simpson shorts. I, I don't understand that as well. Uh, the Forky shit's the same way. I don't understand when it's the same fucking show why it wouldn't just continue next or all be in the same listing. Um, it, it's just ignorant. So yeah, fuck this show. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't care. I think like the one part that I thought was kind of cute was like when he had made that mud substance that would make the leaves grow on him and it was just like, okay, what's the next little shrubbery outfit that he'll wear? Okay. All right. And we're done. So <laughs> it's just like I didn't care. Joe, what did All you All that animal's fur? <laughs> <laughs> Joe, what did you I, think? I want a dick. This is a total kids show, it, and it's. I, I'm right there with you. I was so annoyed that I kept having to go back to the the main menu. Like this, this, this show took more brain power for me to watch than it it should that it warranted for for these episodes being maybe three minutes long, and I the the only one for me that that I kind of chuckled at was the one that took place in the quadrant. But for the life of me right now, I can't even remember w- what happened in it because I've, I've already just discarded this shit from my brain. Yeah. The mini stuff is even worse. Like, because, like, you want to set your kid down in front of the TV, hit play, and have him be busy for a little bit. Like, even if all five played back to back to back, it's only keeping your kid occupied for what, 13 minutes? And it doesn't do that. So, like, if you're a parent, you've got to go adjust the TV every two minutes and 15 seconds. So I I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, it makes no sense. Terrible. Neil, what did you think about I Am Groot? Yeah, I'm also going to toss it. Uh, I was, I was kind of hoping that we would see, like, some progression between Baby Groot and Teenage Groot. You know, to kind of fill the gap between those years or, or that time period, however long it took him. But no, we didn't get that. Uh, the only thing that I kind of liked about the show was the fast forwarding of the opening credits. I thought that was kind of fun. It was funny the first fucking time. It was funny the first time. first fucking time, yes. Because like when it, <laughs> How about some fast forwarding on the end credits? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, come on here! <laughs> But yeah, so it's a positive for me too. Yeah, like when it fast forwarded at the beginning, I was like, "Oh my!" I was, when it first started playing the Marvel thing, I was like, "Are you gotta be kidding me? You're gonna make me fucking watch this?" And it's a fucking <laughs> five minute short. And then they did the fast forward thing. I was like, "Oh, okay, that's kind of funny." But then I had to watch it every fucking time. <laughs> God damn! I just started hitting the skip forward twenty seconds button. Uh, so you're skipping the fast forwarded part yes <laughs> oh joe space balls level shit there right totally <laughs> joe i did want to let you know that i'm in season two of tool academy yes <laughs> i love it yeah i finished episode five last night so anyway <laughs> let's talk about it. last thing last thing in good pop bad pop is uh day shift this is a Netflix movie uh, starring uh, Jamie Foxx. A hardworking dad out to provide for his daughter uses a boring pool cleaning job as a front for his real gig, hunting and killing vampires. It's directed by J.J. Perry in his directorial debut with a screenplay by Tyler Tice and Shay Hatton based on a story by Tice. 
And yeah, we've got Jamie Foxx, uh, Dave Franco, Snoop Dogg, and uh, yeah, uh, it, it's it's like they were like, okay, let's do From Dust Till Dawn meets uh, John Wick. It's the best comparison I can give it. It yep, didn't. It didn't work for me. It yep. didn't. It didn't work for me. Sadly, I. I I, I was enjoying, uh, I'd say the first like 20, 25 minutes, I was like, okay, I'm not into this. And then the Dave Franco character showed up, and I was like, okay, I like him. He's funny. The Dave Franco character is funny. I want to see these two work off each other. If this is like a, a funny buddy comedy and these guys going out together and hunting vampires, I think the dynamic between them two be funny enough to keep me kind of invested into the rest of the movie and it doesn't really do that like i i laughed at the part where he's sitting you know dave franco works at a a desk job at this vampire hunting place and and um he works next to this woman named carol and we get to see a little bit of a conversation he has with carol and he's talking about how like his yogurt is gone again and he put his name on the lid this time you literally had to peel his name away to get to the yogurt and eat it and he said tomorrow i'm gonna fart in the yogurt and you're gonna eat my fart carol and i was like (laughs) i was laughing i was like okay i'm this is kind of funny dave franco's bringing it and i don't know the movie the villains sucked that was one of the big things in this is the villains fucking sucked i thought his fucking kid jamie i'm sorry no well, pun intended. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh. No pun intended. <laughs> I thought his, obviously no pun was intended. I, I thought that um, his daughter sucked in this movie. <laughs> like, there's a point where it's like she's being threatened by a ba- vampire, and she's like, "I'm not scared of you." And I'm like, "Get the fuck out!" Of I don't. Why does every fucking kid have to be like? fucking tough and like if it was a fucking vampire and i was fucking like eight or whatever the fuck i'd be fucking terrified get the fuck out of here and then like later on the vampire says something like i'm gonna be your new mommy and i'm gonna uh you're gonna you're gonna suck all the blood out of your mommy and i'm gonna be your new mommy and she's like i hate you i'm like who the fuck wrote these fucking lines for this kid (laughs) this kid is this is terrible um uh, some of the some of the action looked cool, but as it goes on, I kind of just my, like my eyes just kind of glazed over, and I didn't care anymore. And um, yeah, I'm gonna I am at a toss it for day shift. I did not give a fuck. Like you know, there's a lot of fun things that you can do in this world of like vampire hunting and working as like a you know kind of like like dog the bounty hunter. You know, uh, uh, but, you know, going after vampires like they I kept thinking like, man, if they do this right, they could do it kind of like a a men in black and like make like the whole like thing that they do kind of like a like a big deal. And, you know, the dynamic between him could be like, you know, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith and have it be really fun, like a men in black movie. And it was really nothing like that. So. Even though it was gory and had rated R violence, I still just could not get into this movie anymore. Joe, what did you think about Day Shift? I was hoping it would be way more fun than it ended up being. Like, going into this, just seeing the trailer, I was like, oh, this is going to be a blast. 
And yeah, as it went on, it was more just like, oh man, this is this feels like a movie that that would have come out like more in like the late nineties. Like and it like it, it just almost feels a little silly <laughs> today. I, I I I my favorite part of this movie was the soundtrack. I, I thought they had a lot of great music in it. And and, and maybe count! that's what <laughs> body count. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was excited to hear that one. Um, oh, what was I going to say? I, I the one of the bits of the mythology in this that that they created that I hadn't seen in other vampire things was the the bounty hunters pulling out the fangs and then kind of having them appraised and then being able to tell how old the vampire is. Also how they had the kind of like the different subcategories of vampires. They didn't get into it too much. Uh, the, the, those were just things that I hadn't seen in other vampire stories. That I thought was kind of interesting, but, but ultimately there just wasn't enough to, to make this movie really work for me. And also I think it was, wasn't it close to two hours long? So, I mean, it definitely could have used quite a bit cut out of it and, Jamie Foxx was really fun, and I thought the truck that he was driving was great. I loved the chase scene in that. Um, I, I thought it was a little bit ridiculous how he, he made it through the small tunnel. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is happening here? Um, but yeah, lots of eye-rolling parts in this movie. Snoop was Snoop was fun in it, but I wish we would have gotten him more. Um, more? <laughs> well, not because he's a good actor, for shit. <laughs> but, but just like if you're gonna do a movie with Snoop, like put fucking Snoop in it, get him an acting coach. <laughs> they should have got they should have got Wesley Snipes in that role. I'm sorry. Oh, Wesley Snipes would have yeah. been great. Oh, for yeah. sure. My note literally says, "Get Snoop the fuck out of this." <laughs> I know your reaction. That's fantastic. <laughs> I couldn't hold it anymore. I was like on mute. <laughs> <laughs> Snoop was not good in this movie. Snoop was so bad. He was way better in his first scene than 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 the the third act part. I'll give you yes. that. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. This, this, this is this is a low taste it for me. Like I don't see myself ever watching it again. But going into it, I had high hopes that like, oh, this is going to be a fun movie to come back to, like a good popcorn movie. And it's like eh, it doesn't even really fit the bill there. Yeah, Neil, what did you think about Day Shift? Yeah, uh, your internet is shit, so Neil. I, I, yeah, dude. I, I, let's pause for the let's pause for no, the cause. Okay. All right, Neil, we're back, and you, you sound good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so far, so far, <laughs> yeah, fingers fucking crossed. Neil, what'd you think about day shift? Yeah, I, I appreciated that we got right into the action, and that opening fight scene was pretty damn good. I thought the the practical effects of the vampire uh the mirror action stuff where he's you know fighting nothing i thought that was really good and then the movie kind of went downhill from there for me uh it the stakes felt super low like nobody felt like they were ever in, in any danger and they were not afraid of the vampires like it felt almost like a um, like a video game you know, it was just fetch quest and just kind of doing these different parts of levels and stuff. It, it, it never really felt like a cohesive movie to me. And like the characters weren't taking their situations seriously in the universe. So it, it didn't ever feel like anything mattered. 
and that definitely drops my rating down to a very low tasted. Uh, the only saving grace is that some of the action was super fun, but other than that, like it just. I don't know. It wasn't good. Did you guys know? Like, I had a. There's like a moment while I'm watching this movie. I'm like, are vampires a secret from the rest of the people in the world? Like, I <laughs> because I didn't because because we don't see any other people. No, everybody's a vampire no. hunter. <laughs> Everybody that we meet in this movie is either a vampire hunter or a vampire. Like, I didn't feel like there were any like real people like out in the streets or anywhere really. So I didn't know if like this was like hidden from the world. I didn't know until like the wife was told, the ex-wife was told that, you know, okay, I'm not a pool cleaner. I am a vampire hunter. And then like her lack of surprise as to whether there was like real vampires in the world. Then I was kind of like, Oh, okay. Everybody knows there's vampires in the, in this world. (laughs) It's not this, it's not this underground organization that's going out there trying to kill these vampires and keep it a secret from the rest of humanity. I had no idea up until that point. So I'm still not (laughs) sure. I I mean, either that scene, I took that scene the opposite way. I thought she was just badly conveying that she was surprised. I, I, (laughs) I thought, I thought it took her a minute to grasp that what he was saying was the truth. Well, she was just dealing with the fact that he's not a pool cleaner. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, it's a very, it's a viable option to be a vampire hunter in this world. She just didn't know that you know when he went to ITT Tech that he didn't go there for vampire hunting or whatever. I guess the movie wasn't very clear on why it was taboo that he wouldn't be able to tell her that in the first place. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. Mm. I, yeah, I, 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 um, I thought this movie, I'm going to rate this movie on the project power curve because <laughs> I, I thought it was way better than Jamie Foxx's last Netflix outing. Um, I'm going to still give it a low taste it. Um, I'm right there with Brian where I could, I was going to toss this movie up until, uh, Franco showed up and I thought he breathed some life into this movie for maybe about 15 minutes until mm-hmm. that life was completely gone again. And then the movie wasn't much. Um, I really enjoyed the action sequence with uh, Jamie Foxx, Franco, and the two brothers storming the house. I thought that, that was, was a lot cool. of fun. Oh, but God. By the time- One of the brothers is uh, action star Scott Atkins. Yes, yeah. yes. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, by the time we got to the final action sequence, though, I was in Neil's camp where the whole thing felt video gamey with uh, with no stakes. Um, no pun intended. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, I thought Snoop Dogg was absolutely terrible. Um, man, just stop putting this guy in movies. It's fine for a quick cameo, but to actually expect this guy to act for a second? No. No. I mean, don't let him smoke pot before he gets on the set. I don't know what's going on here, but <laughs> yeah, he he is like fucking asleep. And they gave him way too much to do here, and he totally dropped the fucking ball. Um, yeah, this movie is much better than Project Power, but still not very good. I... I the fall of Jamie Foxx is is pretty crazy. Yeah, I was thinking like I was like this dude played Ray. He won an Academy <laughs> Award for that. I know, man. It's like what the fuck? <laughs> Netflix I don't know is if he just, just doesn't give a shit. Or no, what the fuck? Yeah. I think Netflix is just throwing him fucking money, man. He's just like sure. He is the big winner. Star in our stinker, and we'll give you some money. 
I saw. I don't know what up with um, all the vampires doing all this weird contortionist shit throughout this entire movie. I thought the first time it happened, I thought it was kind of cool, but then it happened like thirty more times, and it yeah. was really fucking dumb. Those were the spider type ones. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought that. I, I agree with Joe too. That was interesting mythology, but like it barely comes up. At one point, Franco's character uses it to explain a little bit of the plot that's going on when he discovers all five types, but it's. It's an interesting concept that really has no actual payout or dividends by the end of this movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, all the different types of vampires, but I feel like I still don't have a grasp on them and this whole yes. world that they've set up. So, And I agree with you that the villain was so bad. Like, it, she was completely Awful. non-threatening. Yeah. She was never scary. It didn't help that the kid was just fucking kidding it up really bad during the scenes with her. Fuck that um, kid. Yeah, <laughs> this, her right this, hand henchman was terrible too. Yeah. yeah, this was not great, and I could never tell how self aware it was. Like sometimes during the action sequences, I was like, "Oh, this movie knows what it's trying to do," but other times I wasn't so sure. And I, I did think a lot of the plot was very muddy at parts, and I still don't a hundred percent entirely understand this universe that they built at all. <laughs> yeah, Zombie Land is so much better. Mm. Yeah. Oh, night, night, night and day. Yeah. Zombie Lane Two is better than this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's jump into the old pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. News from Dark Horizons. Jake Gyllenhaal and more set for Roadhouse, the remake of. Iconic Patrick Swayze and Sam Elliott-led 1989 cult classic Roadhouse is officially a go at MGM's new owners, Amazon. Uh, first revealed late last year, actor Jake Gyllenhaal will lead the cast, while Doug Lyman, the director from Edge of Tomorrow, The Born Identity, will direct from a script by The Nice Guys writer Anthony Bagarosi and Charles Mondry. Uh, the updated story shifts the action from Missouri to the Florida Keys, as Gyllenhaal's UFC fighter takes a job as a bouncer at a rough-and-tumble roadside bar. He soon discovers that not everything is what it seems in this tropical paradise. Uh, multiple cast members have been announced, including Billy Magnuson, Daniela Melkor, uh, Lucas Gage, Hannah Love, Lanier... Do I know any of these fuckers? Anyway. Yeah, uh... We're getting a uh, Roadhouse reboot here. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Doug Lyman. Thoughts? Mm, I, I, Why? I don't, think, I don't think I need this movie. It, it's, I'm a big fan of The Nice Guys. I, I love the writing in that movie. I mean, that's the only positive spin I can get out of this. But, yeah, I don't know. Jake Gyllenhaal just doesn't doesn't fit that role for me very well. I, I think Roadhouse is, you know, a cult classic at this point. I don't... I don't think the name carries that much weight either. It's not the kind of movie that kids are going to be bringing their sons and daughters to go see because of how much they loved it. Uh, I don't really understand what the target audience for this movie is. Um, Yeah, this is needless. I mean, I'll see it, of course, but Jesus. Obviously, Billy Magnuson is going to be the fucking swarmy villain because that's what he is in fucking everything these days. Um, If Jake Gyllenhaal doesn't fuck a chick up against a wall in this movie... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's not Roadhouse. It's not Roadhouse. It's a fail. Or tear somebody's throat out. Oh, God, yes. 
Yes, the the, the whole throat ripping out scene. Yeah. yeah, I did really like Daniela Melikor in a uh, uh, Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, she was great in that. I'm excited to see where her career goes because I thought she was fucking fantastic in that. So that's good news. Man, growing up, Roadhouse was one of those movies that I'd always watch over and over again. It's me just too. such a classic for me. And I, the sequels they did with Jake Busey sucked. Who <laughs> <laughs> oh, I never saw those. Oh, don't they made sequels? <laughs> they did. They did. And at least one. I it was it was so I didn't even finish it. It was so bad. And the thought of them redoing it, it's I I like Jake Gyllenhaal and and the them moving it to Florida and changing it so he's not expressly a bouncer. It's part of the charm of Roadhouse was it was this the main character was this guy who, yeah, he could kick ass in a fight, but he also understood that nobody ever really wins a fight. And, you know, that if if someone comes up to you and calls you a cocksucker, you be nice. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what he's saying. And, and is that going to be the same philosophy that, that this other character? It, it's like it, it's like they're just keeping the name Roadhouse and and a, 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 a rough is is he going to be a bouncer and he's going to find out that the town's full of corruption? Is it going to follow that same storyline? It's like, why are they even doing this? If there's and, not a fucking monster truck at the end of this movie, <laughs> it's not you Roadhouse. Can't that original one, you dude. can't. It's the, the original one's great, and I just I just watched it a couple months ago. It still holds up just fine. Yeah, right? fucking watch the original one. It's awesome. Patrick Swayze is the shit in that. Patrick Swayze is here's the thing. If they want to go ahead and fucking reboot Roadhouse and make a new fucking movie, go right ahead. Because I don't, I don't care. I, if you want to waste your fucking money to try to make a better Roadhouse, good fucking luck. Because there's no way. There is no way. There's no way. I, it's just... It's just it's a it's a dump, and I like everybody involved here. Jake Gyllenhaal is great. I think Doug Liman's a really good director when he does direct. Mm-hmm. It's just I I think it is unnecessary to call to call it something else. Why do you have to call it Roadhouse? Oh, because because they're just capitalizing on the fucking name, the well known name of Roadhouse, and. That just doesn't work either, right? Like anyone who knows the name, it has the attitude that you and me have. And anyone else just doesn't care. Well, I mean, it, it. I think these days for like Gen Z or even like millennials that maybe didn't watch this growing up. Not, I think a lot of millennials did, but I'm a millennial and I saw it. I know. I, I think a lot more <laughs> millennials have watched it than Gen Z is what I'm trying to say. But um, millennials are old as fuck now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> but the thing is, it's like. A lot of people just know it from, like, the fucking Peter Griffin joke, you know, on Family Guy. Roadhouse. For sure. Yeah. So, I don't... Go ahead and make it. Go ahead and fucking make it. It's not gonna... It, it's, it ain't gonna do shit. It's not <laughs> no. like it's tarnishing the reputation of the original or anything. It's not. No. It's, it's, no, it's just kind of pointless. Done. It's just a waste of money. Yeah. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of, of a cast. It's something that shouldn't be rebooted, you know? I'm not saying it's fucking, like, gone with the wind or anything, but it's, like, it's, it just shouldn't be rebooted. The original one's just so good. The The performances in it are great. It's got the Jeff Healy band. 
doing all those Credence covers in it. It's it's such a fun movie. All the side characters are great. Eh. <laughs> you said, eh. <laughs> just, <laughs> the, just the thought of them redoing it. It's like, yeah, go ahead. The, the, you're not going to surpass the original. Fast forward to a year later when we watch this thing and we're all like, oh my God, I fucking loved it. <laughs> yeah. That would be wild. <laughs> that, wouldn't it? That would be fucking wild. <laughs> happened with Prey. Maybe it'll happen again. Uh, we'll see. Uh, that's all I got for news this week. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't. I don't have any more. I don't know. You guys bring something to the table. That's all I could find. Um, I don't think it warrants you guys laughing at me. And, and, I did not laugh a second. I just it was just be the way record. you said it struck me as funny. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm glad everybody got a kick out of that. Hey, Neil got a big kick out of it. I, I'm on silence. I'm not even. I definitely did. I got. Uh, let's jump into Marvel news. And that's all I got for Marvel news. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. Cue, <laughs> cue the laugh track, the Neil laugh track. Um, uh, Marvel news. I got some rumors here. Uh, can we get toast on Twitter? Was asked if we'd see. Fantastic Four in Quantum Mania, to which he replied, "Hell no." Then they were asked, "Will we see them sometime before the 2024 movie?" And he said, "Nope." But he did say that we'd get the official casting in September at D23. So, our if we're to believe this rumor, we will not see. The Fantastic Four in anything until we get to uh, their movie in 2024, the beginning of 2024. Which, honestly, Jake, that still, I mean, with that reveal, it's not so much of a reveal as, as it is a rumor. But if it's true, I would even go as far as saying, like, this can back up the theory that maybe they're not even in the MCU 616 universe, they might be in a completely different multiverse and be brought in uh, for Secret Wars from another universe when when things start to kind of come together uh, in Secret Wars. Yeah, it's the first thing I thought upon hearing this news was that it really does back that up because Marvel can't hold themselves. Like if they were in this regular universe somehow, why wouldn't they tip their hat to it? People are anticipating it. I think a lot of the Fantastic Four anticipation before the movie comes out is going to be that torch is going to be carried by Doctor Doom. What's up, what's going on? In the what's up with the background noise? No, that was not me. I think it's, it's Neil. I, 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 distracting though. There's like you're like opening bottle caps. There's, or there's like clapping going oh, I on. A beer. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, there's a lot of can. Was it a can? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mystery solved. All right, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree, though. I, I actually buy this rumor very much. I, I think once they announce the cast and just the idea of a Fantastic Four movie coming out, especially if they have a big-time director attached to it, is going to be enough promotion to where they don't need to give us an after-movie stinger to get people hyped for this event. And like I said, I think I think Doom's going to carry the torch for getting people hyped for Fantastic Four in post-credit sequences. Well, Doom is probably, if we're to believe the post-credit sequences of uh, Wakanda Forever, let's, okay, let's take that in. 
So Doom exists in our universe, if that's true, but the Fantastic Four themselves don't exist in our... I don't know if my theory even adds up. Yeah, I mean, if that's if that's correct, then they're going to get rid of the Reed-Doom connection. But maybe they won't. I mean, maybe Reed will be familiar with his Doom and therefore familiar with this Doom. Maybe in his universe, him and Doom are fucking best friends. That's an interesting... Yeah, that's yeah, an interesting be, way to do it. So I don't think it completely destroys that theory, but it does make it so you have to do a little bit more like thinking about how it could work that way. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Joe, anybody else have any thoughts on, on that? I don't know. I think it totally so, makes sense that they're going to be from a different multiverse. That that I've, I've been strong on that theory for a while now that a lot of these upcoming characters we're going to see are going to be from different multiverses so that we have these different points of reference and different characters we care about coming all together in secret wars. Do you think that we're going to get like a convergence or something like we, that was talked about in Dr. Strange two in like the Kang dynasty movie. That's kind of more or less what's happening in secret wars is everything's falling apart. Right. They're all these universes, all these multiverses are all crashing together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At least in the Hickman run of it, the, the eighties one was a little bit different. Yeah, exactly. Like it could go from, I, I don't know. Like we've asked the question, like, are we going to get battle wars within the fucking secret wars movie? And I, I I don't know how they're going to handle their secret wars, but I do think it is definitely going to be, all these multiverses kind of coming together and they're going to pick and choose like what, what, what's going to stick and what's not going to stick if they want to. I mean, they could actually, you know, before this five year deal does end, they could actually, this is where we could get like the, the cameo of uh, Hugh Jackman as, uh, as Logan in that, uh, in that secret wars movie. I don't think they're going to want to do a lot with any of the other actors that played roles in anything. I think if they're going to do anything, it's going to be the big one. It'll be Hugh Jackman. That I agree sense. with that. And as far as which I, comic they're going to homage to, I kind of see it a bit of both. I bet they definitely throw nods to both the Hickman and the original, uh, secret wars comic in ways. I think I, I, I definitely can see that happening. I definitely see them taking elements of Hickman stuff. Oh, 100%. Yeah. They did so much already with Infinity War and Endgame. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't they do it again? I really hope we get a Hugh Jackman cameo in Deadpool 3. That could happen, too. Yeah. Yeah, I want that. And that'd be the perfect place for it, too. It would. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's see here. Rumor from Great uh, Great Phase fifteen on Twitter that uh, we're getting a Nova project before Secret Wars. It's really all they said, but said have they have they they haven't formally announced a Nova project, whether it's a TV series or a movie, to my knowledge, correct? Correct. I don't. I don't think so. That's weird though, because I feel like we've. Ta- I think someone's dropped word about it. I'm. I'm googling right now. Yeah. Has 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 it come out of Feige's mouth that we're getting Nova? Has Feige said Nova is coming? Because it's like um, 
it's one of those things where it's like we because we don't know if it's a TV show or a movie yet. Marvel developing Nova Project with Moon Knight scribe Saber Perzada. Where is this coming from? Who's the news outlet? Deadline. Okay. Which is pretty reputable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's unknown for now whether this will be developed as a feature film or a limited series for Disney+. Plus. Kevin Feige will produce. It's an exclusive Deadline scoop. When was this scoop? Because I feel like we have talked about this before. Yeah, we ha- we definitely have. I just couldn't remember if it was rumor because of actual news. Mm-hmm. I came up through the writer community, most recently helping the writers' room for Moon Knight. Yeah, it, it looks like it is official. We just don't know whether it's a film or a series. Deadline is saying it's official. It's just we haven't heard it come out of Kevin Feige's mouth yet. So yes, but I I would I if I had to, if I was if I had to place a bet I would bet that it is going to happen and I would. And Great Phase 15 is saying it's going to happen before Secret Wars. I mean, there's a ton make, of dates there that, that they didn't announce. Exactly. Like a ton Comic-Con. of dates that they didn't announce. I, I, I'm i still worried that it's going to be... I, honestly, I don't, think that, I don't think it will be Disney+. Plus. I don't it has th- to be a movie. It's too, like... The outer space stuff just has to have that budget and that look. It can't look like a TV show. And then fit into Secret Wars if that's the plan. Yeah, totally. I don't honestly. With Do you it, think it's going to be what is it, Richard Ryder or Sam Alexander? I want it to be Sam Alexander, but I bet it'll be both. There's a yeah, huh. there's a chance of that too. That was my thought too. Like a passing of the torch sort of thing. Kind Correct. of, yeah, yeah. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito was uh, where was he? He was at a. He was at a convention, and let me go ahead and just play this because he kind of confirmed some stuff that we've been talking about from some of these leaks. On that dream. So, I have not worked for Marvel yet. I've been in a room with them to talk to them, and to answer your question, I think what they do is on the lines of that mythological journey that Joe Campbell talked about, who happened to be a friend of George Lucas, that George Lucas put into his stories, they do the same thing. It is our dream and intention to save the world, our environment, to save the world from greedy corporations, to uplift the world and have leadership that thinks about us for the people, by the people, which means that those future leaders are in this room right now. Amen. Right? And and so we want to inspire each other. We want to lift each other up because what happens when that happens is then we actually do have a vision and a dream for a new world. Then we can actually start to reverse all the things that we have destroyed that will choke us if we don't change how we move through this universe. So, there's the talk of Magneto. There's there has been talk of who else are they talking about over there and there is professor x pick one pick one i'm gonna go for something that is a little bit different I'm going to go and put it out in the universe that it is Professor X. 
Yeah, so Giancarlo Esposito is saying, hey, I, you know, I want to play Professor X, but, and he has spoken to Marvel. It's confirmed. He said it. And we've been hearing that it's either going to be Magneto, Professor X, or possibly Dr. Doom. <laughs> Did he fuck up there and say Dr. Freeze and the audience corrected him? <laughs> I didn't ca- I, I didn't hear Dr. Doom, but yeah, it sounded like Dr. Freeze. <laughs> I'd like to see him play a heroic character, you know, a tortured heroic character, obviously, but one that is not because he's so good at playing a villain and he's been kind of pigeonholed into that most more recently um, as only playing villains. So I think it'd be really interesting to see him play Professor X. Absolutely. And I say fucking stick to your lane and do what you're good at. <laughs> I want to see. I, 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 I'd rather see him fucking as uh, Magneto, to be honest with you. That'd be super interesting. I think he'd be yeah. fucking amazing as Magneto. Depending on what storyline they want to go with, they could have a very, very gray uh, Professor X, though. I was going to say the same thing. You could have the best of both worlds. You could have him be Professor X and actually have Professor X end up being a villain. That's been done multiple times in the comics. That could be interesting, too, yeah. Well, I mean, also with the introduction of the X-Men into our universe, eventually, you know, it it definitely could seem that way at first with his character. You know, if we're going to go the AVX route, you know, Avengers versus X-Men. They could give us that Scott Summers that's had enough of it. And, you know, no, I'm not working with you anymore. It it could be a pretty interesting turn because you'd think they want to do something different than what they did in the Fox movies. Yeah. Also, I do think that uh, having Magneto have Jewish and be Jewish is pretty important to the character. And I would imagine that Kevin Feige is very uh, on the pulse of that and would probably want to continue that story. I don't think so. I think with I think we're too far past, you know, having a character, you know, it, come from like that sort of a background of, you know, the Holocaust and everything like that, that it would make more sense for a character to be brought up with the persecution going on through the civil rights movement. Mm. I mean, yeah, they totally could go that route. I, I just I don't know because there's only the only like Jewish character we have so far in the MCU is Moon Knight, right? Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's correct. Um, yeah, you're right. I just, I, I just don't, I think we're past that. I think it worked in the 2000 X-Men because we had fucking Ian McKellen still being able to pull that off, but I mean, well, the timeline worked better, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, I, I we'll see. I, 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 I see what you guys are saying. Him being typecast, I just think that he's a goddamn good villain. Like <laughs> he is, <laughs> yeah, he's really good. And yeah, that's, I mean, I agree with that. That's kind of why I'm pushing the uh, Professor X bad line, bad guy storyline. I mean. Onslaught's one of the most popular things they ever did, and you could easily maybe see him going that route even. Then he could play both sides of the character. You know, he starts off as our lovable Professor X and turns into a villain. That's true. 
Uh, let's see. Here. My Time to Shine Hello had some things to say about the Echo series on Twitter. Uh, this show is very much about Maya. Daredevil is only a cameo. Fisk has a big role, but most of the show is about her and her family and history. If you know what this show is actually about, you'll lose your mind. It's very mystical and supernatural. <laughs> so... Not a lot to go on there, and it kind of, I, I, I mean, I've heard that Daredevil has a has a very um, short time on one episode, but is, has a very big role in a, in a second episode. I've heard he's going to show up in two episodes from one source. I've heard three episodes from another source. Um, so it's kind of all over the board with, like, how much Daredevil are we actually going to get in the Echo series? I do think Daredevil will show up, but I do think that this is going to be more picking up the story between Maya and Fisk, and we'll see where Daredevil is at the end of this series, and then maybe we'll have a better idea of like what we're going to get out of that Daredevil season from Disney Plus going forward after the Echo series. Do you guys think we're going to get an Echo season two? Hmm. Depends on how good the first season is. <laughs> My gut says no, that it'll be a one and done type thing and then they'll spin the character into something else. Yeah, I, I, I think that there's a little bit of truth in both of what you're saying. I, I think they're probably planning for one, but if it ends up being some huge hit, I could see them pivoting and doing another season. I'm I'm really excited that there's gonna be some mysticism and stuff like that going on in this. Cause up to this point, I, I haven't been that excited about this series just cause I haven't been able to wrap my mind around what the hell it's even going to be about. And so knowing that it's going to lean into that side of the MCU that, that, uh, it has me excited. Yeah. I don't know. I just wanted street level. Yeah. It does seem a weird twist to have with that character. I'm, unsure about whether or not it makes me more excited is there a mystical element to her comic character that's a good question i'm familiar with her comic character not really not really i mean in the comics she's basically kind of like what we got from taskmaster somebody that's able to kind of like master the moves of somebody else we didn't really see that in this you know uh the season of hawkeye that we got but and that's the character from the comic. I think they're definitely changing the character in the in in the MCU. Do you have Do you have the other tweet for my time to shine? Hello, that came after that. Yeah, I that it, was really interesting. I combined them. Okay, okay. Yeah, it was both. Like the first one was where he talks about Fisk having a big role, um, but most of the show is about her and her family history. The second tweet, I just combined them. The second tweet was. Oh about no, that. no, I I don't think we're we're talking about the same thing at all. The after both those tweets, my time to shine. Hello, tweeted up uh, just like the clandestine in Miss Marvel. Yeah. The villain group and Echo also are an obscure team from the comics, but a total reinvention of that team. What they are and what they are trying to achieve, and their goal in the show is truly insane. And I, I hadn't thought about it until you read the other tweet, but possibly those like supernatural elements, the mystical elements involve whatever group we're talking about here. Yeah. Do you think it's the wrecking crew? <laughs> aren't they in She-Hulk? They're already kind of mystical, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, they all have like mystical weapons of demolition. 
Right. I fucking loved the Wrecking Crew when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, I can't. The be- one have a mystical crowbar. Yeah, yeah, a ball and chain. I kept hearing the Wrecking Crew was possibly showing up in the She-Hulk series, like you were saying. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder what that that team are. It's interesting. I I'll be honest with you. I didn't really care for her character in Hawkeye. They they really didn't do enough. I really hope they do more with her in her own show to make me care. Yeah. Her arc started with really great promise, though. That third episode where it had all the flashbacks with with Son McLaren, that was really great. Yeah. But, but but by the end of the the series, it was like, does she do anything other than just show up and scowl? Right. Yeah. I couldn't tell I, you I like think... that one that one amazing action scene with her. You know what I mean? Like they didn't really have any standout fucking moments with, with yeah. Echo. I, I think that the Hawkeye series kind of got screwed up by the whole Kingpin thing by, you know, kind of teasing it and, and having that as like the big reveal. I I think it was a detriment to the show overall and to her character in particular, rather than just having him drop in the very beginning. And so we can kind of see their relationship the whole time. It it just kind of was a weird curve. Especially since it became kind of the worst kept secret that that was going to happen. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's move into I, all I have for the rest of the show is actually DC news. So we've got DC news. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina, and now the leftovers are going to destroy DC news. It's time for DC news, you fucking pieces of shit. Yeah, I, with uh, the Batgirl movie being basically 90% done and then canceled, what's safe? And I, I, I do want to talk about the Batgirl thing because I've got a lot of thoughts on on that here. But this comes from Dark Horizons. TV Line has confirmed that both HBO Max's Black Canary movie and its Green Lantern TV series are both still very much alive and moving forward at the streamer. The former will spin off Journey Smollett's uh, Dinah Lance character from 2019's Birds of Prey film, and the latter will see Greg Berlanti producing what is tipped to be the biggest DC series ever made and stars Jeremy Irvine and Finn Whitrock as two incarnations of the character. Berlanti wasn't so lucky with his DC's Strange Adventures project, as filmmaker Kevin Smith revealed on the Hollywood Babylon podcast this week that planned HBO Max anthology series uh, which was still only in development, has been scrapped, with Smith being told it was officially dead. Um, the CW's three DC series are all moving ahead as planned, with the ninth and final season of The Flash, the third season of Superman and Lois, and the first season of Gotham Knights all coming. Uh, the same is likely true for a fourth season of Titans, which is only a few weeks away from wrapping filming. Doom Patrol was renewed for a fourth season last year, but no word on its potential fate yet. And um, Guaranteed Safe is the second season of James Gunn's critical hit Peacemaker. Also safe is the third season of Pennyworth, which is complete and has <laughs> been set for an October launch on HBO Max with a new title, Pennyworth, the origin of Batman's butler. Oh, boy. <laughs> so bad. And, uh, yeah. Um, listen, uh, they've got... Uh, They've got this new guy, Zaslav, 
over there, and he's he's more. He's more in the on the business side of things as opposed to like the creative side. And um do I think that it's a good look canceling Batgirl and not letting it come? I don't think it's a good look. Do I think it's a smart move overall? I think we're going to see a lot of the streamers change how they're doing things. Like one of the big announcements that they made was that they're going to not be doing like these big these big direct movies to HBO Max. They're losing money on this stuff. They're going to they're going to start if they make movies it's going to be theatrical run. We recently saw that Elvis was not going to get put on HBO Max after that 45-day window. It's going to go now into video on demand. They're going to make some money that way on video on demand. I think we're going to see a lot more of this and I think we're going to see a lot more streamers kind of like follow what Warner Brothers is doing here. They're bleeding money. Warner Brothers lost $3 billion. Fucking Peacock lost $1.9 billion. Um, The stocks are down for everybody. Netflix was down like 60%. Uh, Disney was down 30%. I think the best shape that somebody was in was Paramount, and they were down like 19, 20, 21%. Everybody is just, when the pandemic happened and everybody thought it was going to be these streaming wars that you had to get your own fucking streaming service, everybody panicked and started to make their own streaming service. They're finding out that they're not able to sustain (laughs) making all this content for the streamer because they're they're not making it on the back end. And some of the old deals that they used to have, I'm talking about like just making a movie, putting it out in theaters, and then selling it to the highest bidder to put on their service like Star, Showtime, HBO, whoever it may be. That's That old business model is like, I think a lot of them are going to go back to that. Sony, Sony was the one that like never jumped in on any of this stuff. They're ahead of the curve. Sony never wanted to get into the streaming wars. And, I mean, we saw the writing on the wall. We should have seen the writing on the wall when, like, AT&T sold off their fucking media shit. They were like, we went out of this game. So I, I, I don't think that we're going to... I, and honestly, I think this, like, what Netflix is doing now, they can't keep doing this. Like, these movies like Night Shift and Extraction and and all these movies that they're just throwing like an, an insane amount of money towards with them being down 60%. I like, like if they keep doing this, we're literally watching them drive the nail in the coffin. They will not be around. I promise you they will not be around. They cannot keep doing this. HBO can't keep doing this. I don't even know if Disney can continue to do what they've been doing with this. They're losing money. Go ahead, Neil. I'm sorry. Uh, I totally forgot what I was going to say <laughs> it was a while back. Um, but oh, oh yeah. Cause I, I, I was just thinking that like, this is all driven by the pandemic, right? So now that theaters are open and people are venturing out despite all the risks, it does make a lot more sense for them to pivot back to how they were doing business before, uh, where 
there was no 45 day window and like they would be able to actually make their money back in theaters and selling it to um, video on demand and that kind of thing, rather than immediately dropping it on their service or doing day and date releases. Uh, that was all kind of a blip. It seemed like, but they all went all in on it for some reason. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking crazy times we're living in, right? It is. I, I, I mean, HBO Max is going to change. I don't know what's going to survive, what's not going to survive. It's like I'm worried about certain shows. Like I, you know, I want to see Hacks come back. I don't want anything to happen with Barry. I don't want. I don't think. Don't worry about this Game of Thrones stuff. But I do think like one of the first moves was like like when they looked at probably the budget of you know Raised by Wolves. Yeah, they were like, we can't do this. Like this, 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 we just can't do this. This is just an, exp- I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I really don't think that, I really think that HBO Max is going to change quite a bit. And I don't know if, I, I don't think, I don't think Netflix can keep going at this rate, bleeding all this money. And oh. Disney might need to rethink their strategy here with some of their originals. I mean, they're spending. I mean, they're spending, like, talk about a six-episode series or what, you know, and they just fucking announced, like, an 18-episode fucking Daredevil series. I don't know if they can fucking continue to keep doing this. Well, I think the Daredevil series is interesting because that should be a lower budget. Street level, other, sure. Yeah, yeah, like, they can actually save a lot of money on that series in particular because it is so street level and they're not dealing with these crazy special effects well cgi effects all the time um but still 18 episodes is a fucking lot that's like like approaching like that traditional television season length when they first announced that i was like oh cool three three seasons of six episodes like nope all 18 (laughs) in one go like wow Oh boy! It's a bold move. Cotton. <laughs> <laughs> See if it plays out. They're going to be the same length as I am Groot episodes, is what you don't know. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I had no idea that all these streamers were underwater, though. I I thought like Disney Plus at least was doing pretty good. Oh, they can tell you about all the fucking subscribers that they have, but it's still not enough to fucking sustain how much money that they're that they're spending. You know, I mean, yeah. all the money that yeah. they're putting out—they're spending out. like theatrical level money on stuff that's not giving theatrical level Returns. dividends back. Yeah, I mean, think about think about like, you know, how much a season of The Mandalorian costs them, and you know, uh, like people are that—that's why they're they're going to start hiking up the prices, <laughs> you know, here soon. For you know, Hulu's going up like two bucks. Disney's is, Disney's going up. They can't. Yeah. They can't keep I, doing this. They're spending way too much money doing this, and and I I think they're going to have to kind of start shaving some budgets. I think they're going to have to start maybe coming out with less content. And I definitely don't see like HBO Max original movies being a thing anymore. I don't. No, I mean they've totally said that they really only want to do movies that are going to be on the on the in in the theater. Yeah. The the stuff with HBO Max is the one that really blows my mind the most cuz it, it felt like that was the the streamer that really had their shit together the most. 
as far as as far as us as far as us fans enjoying the content well, yeah, that they're yeah, putting because, out. You know, I'm not looking at it from a business side, but of course, these people who own these companies. That's literally the only way they're looking at this. Is we're going to do this as long as it makes money and makes sense for us to do it, and we can turn a profit. But yeah, so it's yeah. When you look at your fucking like annual report, uh, the, you know, and it's like you lost three billion dollars, um, and that's not good. And this guy cancels. <laughs> Does not make the shareholders happy. Well, so the, see, the thing is, it's like everybody wants Zaslov's head because it's like you canceled Batgirl. But I'm thinking he's probably thinking it's gonna be better just to fucking have it as a tax write off than it is, you know, putting it out there at this point and i don't don't think it was from what i've read it's not about the quality of the movie it's more of the fact that they can recoup some of their losses overall by not even releasing it ever i don't think i hope it's not malicious you know it just it sucks that it has to be batgirl you know what i mean it really sucks because it's because it's not a good look, <laughs> you know? No, 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 not at all. <laughs> I am glad, not glad, but I'm happy that that Peacemaker is safe. Yes. I fucking love that oh, show. Yeah. Me too. And, and, like, it generated so much good word of mouth mm-hmm. because it was such a fantastic uh, se- season that – and I, I think – we're also getting a spinoff of another Suicide Squad character, right? Yeah, aren't we supposed to be getting um, uh, Waller's daughter? Isn't she supposed to be getting her own series? Or, uh, oh, or, really? Or an Amanda? Out of bio? Yeah, I thought I thought we were either going to get an Amanda Waller series or it's like a series that features Waller and her daughter. Okay, I, I had heard that maybe it was Ratcatcher too was going to get a season. It's all speculation still. Yeah, yeah. oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm reading an article here that says Amanda Waller series in development at HBO Max. Uh, this was May 3rd of 2022. This comes from comicbook.com. And... Uh, oh, fuck off. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't you love it? That's my favorite thing about going to a website when they just start... Oh. They're like, oh, it's been fucking 10 seconds since you've watched a fucking video. Here's one you can watch right now. And it's like, oh, I'm definitely not trying to watch this video at – read this article at work when I shouldn't be. Oh, and now everybody gets (laughs) – hey, what's going on over there? God damn. Fucking narcs. Um, (laughs) Amanda Waller's in – Black Adam, right? Is she? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. She's in either that or Shazam. I, 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 that's what I heard, at least, that Amanda Waller's in one of those, too. I, I don't know about that. I mean, that she hasn't been she hasn't been in any of the trailers for either of those projects. <clears throat> Neil's, Neil, who are you? My time to shine hello over there, yeah, Neil? I heard, I heard <laughs> Waller and... <laughs> Julie Lewis Dreyfus's character go out for coffee in the end credits sequence. <laughs> I can't. I can't cite any sources, but I'm pretty sure it's true. <laughs> it's 
interesting well, that, that Paramount be... is the one that hasn't lost the most money. I wonder if that's solely because of Top Gun. Star Trek. No. <laughs> I mean, Star Trek's the same boat where they're, um, I mean, it's not really making them any money. Like, it's on the streaming service that you already pay for, right? I mean, I don't I mean, know how... Well, what, what's happened recently is every single Star Trek series has migrated to only be on Paramount+. Plus Because they used to have, and they slowly did it, like, Deep Space Nine was the last one on, on Netflix, and it's no longer there. So everything is only on Paramount Plus. So you get like, you know, people who love Star Trek, they can only watch it on this one service. Yeah, but see, the thing is, they were probably making more money when they farmed it out to Netflix. Oh, for yeah, sure. I don't, but, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's the same for every streaming service has that thing. I mean, people that love Star Wars can only go to Disney Plus. You know, people that love Game of Thrones can only go to HBO Max. I. I but there's, you know, there's how many fucking seasons of Star Trek that are available on Paramount Plus. And I mean, I, I used to use it to it was my calm down show at night when I would fall asleep is the comfort of, of star trek and now I, I can only get that from paramount plus yeah see the thing is if if they fucking sold it to somebody else for an insane amount of money to have them have it for just like okay here's a fucking five-year deal and you'll be able to you know and they spend you know think about how much fucking think about how many times seinfeld has been has been bounced around over the last decade uh, between Netflix and Hulu, and how much money those uh, those streaming services have paid to have Seinfeld, mm-hmm. and it's like it, it's one of those things. Like if if Paramount was making these Star Trek shows, and they're like, okay, we're gonna sell this to Netflix. Netflix is gonna get this Star Trek original on their service, and Netflix play, pays them like this insane amount of money for it. They're they're coming out ahead doing it that way as opposed to just fucking, you know, individual I mean, subscribers paying, you know, the whatever, five bucks a month. And we're, we're going to see a lot more of this, like, ad-supported tiers yeah. and them doing, you know what I mean? And maybe them, even some of them doing away with, like, um, uh, ad-free tiers. I mean, Netflix has to go to an ad Add tier. They have to. Ugh. They have to. Yeah. There's no way. They're just they're bleeding money. They're bleeding a lot of money. Because I mean, even though they got they they split Stranger Things into two parts to cover two different uh, pay periods. It's still not enough. They see the writing on the wall. That's why they're trying to crack down on you giving your password out to family members. They see the writing on the wall. They they want to squeeze every fucking dime out of us because they can see they 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 know that they're in trouble. That's why that's why they're they're going to slowly roll this out to where they're going to see that okay, under this account, there's a login in this household. And there's also another, for the same account, there's a login in another state at another household. Okay, now you're going to get charged an extra $5 a month 
because you're giving out your login to someone. We don't care if it's a family member. So we're going to we're going to start it's going to I mean they're going to start they're penny they're going to start penny pinching and they're going to start squeezing money out of us. So I don't know, man. I I think streaming is I think we're going to see a lot of this happen with a lot of different fucking streaming services to where they're going to be making some some big moves here and we're going to see that you know, not they're not going to be making like the level of movies that they were making. And it'll be interesting to see how they change. They're going to have to change with with what's happening. I mean, what we're seeing right now, as far as like HBO Max, and it's going to mm-hmm. be it's going to be a different service. It's going to be a different. The streaming wars are going to be different. It's going to be different from here on out. So it'll be interesting. Um, news from Screen Rat: Warner Brothers. Rep- reportedly reached out to Henry Cavill about uh, Superman return on the heels of the management change over at the studio. Newly installed Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav enacted a string of mandates that have received various reactions from industry and fans. One of the biggest shockers was the decision to cancel Batgirl, a $90 million film that was already near completion. According to an official Warner Brothers statement, it's part of a brand new strategy for their superhero projects, which also includes laying out a 10-year DCEU blueprint, similar to what Marvel Studios has with the MCU. That plan might have involved Cavill's return as Superman. According to Fandango's Eric Davis via The Direct... Warner Brothers tried reaching out to Cavill in the hopes that the actor would return to the world of DC and put on the red cape again. Unfortunately, Cavill supposedly isn't interested. Here's Davis's full quote. What, what have you heard about Henry lately? I've heard a story that they've asked him, and he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to come back. So the uh, screen rant went on to say, since this isn't confirmed, it's best to take it with a healthy, healthy dose, dose of salt. But if there's actually merit to it, Cavill's current stance on the matter is significantly different from his previous ones. Oh, man. Um, a lot to, lot to unpack here because I do think with the previous, like, you know, regime that they had at Warner Brothers, they were like, we don't need it. We're going to do this. You know, we're going to have Supergirl. We're going to do a Supergirl movie. I'm hearing that, that, that Supergirl showing up in Flash might be the only time we see her. Like, she might not get her own project now. Like, that movie might be done. And she'll be lucky if Flash even comes out at this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> fucking Ezra Miller, Jesus Christ. Well, here's the thing: they don't know what to do with that fucking movie. They're like, they, I'm hearing that Warner Brothers executives, like yesterday, were fucking in a shouting match over like what the fuck they need to do about that Flash movie. Like, there's a yeah. chance they might fucking shelve it. There's a chance that they might that they it might not come out at all. I, I mean, they don't know what the fuck to do with that Flash movie. And I, it's like I'm hearing also that uh, with, with, with them asking, and I kind of believe this. I feel like they were like, Cavill's a big enough actor. We'll have him come back as Superman. We want to make big movies. We want big movies. 
let's get Superman two. Let's let's make it. Let's do this. Let's go with. Su-. And he's not interested. He's done. I mean, this guy's. I mean, there's rumors from the Illuminati that that, that Marvel's looking at him. They were saying, um, uh, Mister Fantastic, um, Chad Stahelski. Is it? Yeah, is it Chad Stahelski? Yeah, Chad Stahelski still has high hopes to get Henry Cavill playing um, the Highlander in a new reboot. Awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> well, Chad, St- I mean, they've been talking about this for about a year, year and a half. And Chad Stahelski was like, we are the closest right now to getting that Highlander reboot than we've ever been. They're very close. They're very close. He only wants to get one guy. He wants Cavill. That's the guy he wants. He's had it. He's narrowed it down to Cavill. I mean, this is a role that was supposed to go to um, Tom Cruise was being talked about at one time. And then and then it was then it went to Ryan Reynolds. And now with Ryan Reynolds being so into the, the Deadpool universe and doing other things, now it's Henry Cavill. And that's the guy Chad Stahelski wants. He wants Cavill. Um, and if I mean, if, and if they I think about that, think about if they get Cavill. Now Cavill, Cavill possibly, if Cavill goes to the MCU doing something there, then on top of that, he's doing The Witcher, and then on top of that, doing Highlander. I mean, does it leave time for Superman? Have they left any time for him in the past fucking... I mean, when's the last time we've seen that character show up? Justice League? He's been jerking around for years now. It's Justice League was the last time we saw him, but he hasn't gotten his own solo uh, sequel movie yet. They've been, yeah, Neil, they've been jerking him around forever. And I think that he's gotten to the point where he's just like, I'm, you know what? I'm done. I've got all these other things lined up. I'm done. It's a, How long can you put your life on hold for that shit? I mean, and if all those other projects come to fruition, like Warner Brothers is going to look like they have fucking egg in their face for not moving forward with this guy. Especially if their successes, like they they really dropped the ball on that whole thing. Well, I think it's like you know it's Zaslav and these new guys wanting to get him back in there. If this is the truth, and it was like you know it was it was Hamada and Jim Lee or whoever before that was just kind of like dragging their feet on fucking making a Superman sequel. Yeah, it might be too late though. I mean, I, I think it is too late. I don't think yeah. we'll ever get that Superman sequel now. No, it's unfortunate. <laughs> It's hilarious to me that they own the rights to these huge characters and, and they can just they just flounder. They have no idea what to do with them. <laughs> they can't get out of their own way. They, they can't. It's like literally they just make every bad move. Like, how do you how do you go this long without releasing a Superman movie? What? And no wonder Henry Cavill wants nothing to do with it. You look at it, he's like. I can. I imagine he gets that call and he's probably just thinking to himself, like this fucking clown, this like <laughs> clown academy of a company. Like now they want to do Superman again. Okay, sure. Yeah, get out of here with that. I mean, Warner Brothers, man. Uh, uh, hopefully, with this new guy at the helm and him making business decisions, and uh, hopefully they're able to get it figured out because it, it's. I've been a, a DC fan my whole life, and so it's heartbreaking to me to see them fumble like this. But I've gotten to the point where I'm really pretty jaded with with looking at at, at, at Warner Brothers and what they do. And to me, it's it's a one off now, and it's a surprise when they when they have one that really does hit with me. And there's been a few of them, but man, most of it is just this 
It's just what a shit show. They're not the filmmaker. Dreary. They're not the filmmaker studio anymore. And proof of that yeah. is the fact that fucking Nolan was like, "Fuck you, I'm out." And so uh, here's the thing. I yes, this Zaslav is very business minded. What am I worried about with that? I'm worried about the creative side. Like, I, I, I hope he can get the business side together, but, like, let the creatives do their thing, too. And I hope he's serious about, like, this 10-year plan, and I hope they're serious about finding the right guy in there, like, their own version of Feige in there to put yeah. around this 10-year plan. Because, like, they're, they're, they, they really need to shake things up, man. Because, you know, like, you're not the filmmaker studio anymore, and you know what? If, if 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 that's the case, I'm fine with that as long as you can fucking make something cohesive in your DC universe. I mean, if that means that you have to fucking do what Marvel did and hire some of like these lesser known directors, and I'm talking about like the Russo brothers that come from like right. community and stuff like that, and bring them on have a lot of creative control over them, be able to fucking tell them like, this is what we need to do to build out this 10 year universe instead of going for like the bigger name directors that are going to be a little bit more, uh, they're going to be harder to rein in because like they're going to have their own vision for things. And that's like, you know, that was the beauty of kind of like Marvel getting Sam Raimi back, you know, because like he is a bigger director, but on the flip side, like he hasn't done anything in a long time. And so I think that he was maybe a little bit more compliant to some of their wishes. So it was kind of a big deal getting Raimi in there. But for the most part, look at Marvel. They're they're making directors, right? They're making yeah. directors like, uh, yes, Ryan Coogler had made, you know, some great independent films. But, you know, let's see what this guy can do. You know, uh, with a big budget. And like, he gives us Black Panther. You know, he, and I think DC, if, if they get the, if they are serious about a 10-year plan and they, and they do this right, and, they, and the rumor is that they're looking at Greg Berlanti as their guy. And let's say they get Greg Berlanti in there and he's like, yeah, you know what? The, what we're going to do is we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to get some of the, these lesser known directors that have put out quality stuff, but still can, we can kind of keep them under this, this one vision of building a cohesive universe. And I honestly think, and I want to ask you guys this, does building that cohesive universe mean blowing up what we have now? And, and, and I mean by, like, once we get done with, you know, Aquaman 2 and, and, and you know, if they have anything going forward with Wonder Woman, does it mean a complete reboot? Does it mean a complete reboot? Um, and are you against that? I, I'm curious. I think it should be a complete reboot. Uh, I'm not against it. I think unless you do a complete reboot, fans are just going to be stuck in the past and they're never going to be able to get out of it. I think there'll, there'll be a section of fandom that will always be stuck in the past, even if you do a complete reboot. But, man, you can't give them an inch of rope to hang on to or they're just not going to move forward. I think you just have to cut the cord and move on. And honestly, I think that's that's the best move. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. Uh, I it's so hard because I love some of the casting that they've done uh, already. Like I, I love Margot Robbie as uh, Harley Quinn. I think she's fantastic in the role. I love John Cena as Peacemaker, and, and I love that show. 
But in order to actually have a cohesive plan, you have to kind of start from scratch, I think, because everything that's come before this point is the exact opposite of cohesive. And if you want to do kind of the Marvel thing, you have to start from a, a, a blank slate almost and, and start building it piece by piece with a good foundation rather than try and take a bunch of shit and then rework it. Like you, you have to start over. I honestly think that with, with black Adam coming out, if they don't have too many ties to the rest of the DCEU as it is now, which I think would be smart. They could actually start there with the justice league of America or the justice society of America. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that's smart. I think if Black Adam's a huge hit, you know, because we know The Rock can pull in an audience, if it's a huge hit, kind of separate that from everything that's going on right now and maybe just scrap the Flash movie. Just, I mean, I, honestly, that's what I would do. If I, I know it sucks for a 250 plus million dollar budget to just to say, fuck it. But like, there's just so much bad press around this. You can't, like, the actor couldn't even show up to San Diego Comic Con. He couldn't even show up to like the 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 Fantastic Beast premiere. Like, they don't want him out there talking at all. And it's like you that's your like I can't imagine a press junket for the Flash movie, and they won't let the actor show up. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. two major roles. Uh, uh, two or three, Joe. Yeah, I mean, yeah. multiple roles in the film. And and I know what one of the big problems they're having with canning this is because I think they're wanting to be able to keep the parts of their movies, the characters that are successful. They're wanting to keep those, and that's how they were going to make that work with this Flash movie, introducing all this multiverse right. stuff. And I, maybe they can just pivot and do that in a different way because I agree. I I think... I think um, Aquaman's a fun character. I, I like Harley Quinn, Peacemaker, all this stuff. I don't want to see them get rid of everything. And it, it does make sense to do a full reboot, to have it be the, the, the cleanest exit from this and entry into the new. But there are some gems in there that I don't want to see go away. Um, but truthfully, I, I've been looking forward to this movie. And, and it sucks, too, because... Michael Keaton Batman was coming back in two different movies, and now there's the very real possibility that we'll, we're, we'll for sure we're never going to see the one in Batgirl, but they're very real possibility. We may not see him in the in this Flash sequel either, but it's like, man, just come up with a different way to do this moving forward so we don't lose these characters that do work. I think we got to say good. I Joe, I hate to say it, but I think we get that second piece, second season of Peacemaker. And I think they need to just wrap this up. I think they just Agreed. need to. I think they just need to wrap it up and scrap it. Wrap it and scrap it. And I hate to say that. <laughs> I really Set do. It and forget it. <laughs> I'm. I'm telling you, they need to just. They need to start over. Like th- there is no getting past this Ezra Miller shit. And that was supposed to be the movie that's going to reset everything. They're going to be able to keep Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. They're going to be able to keep Jason Momoa's. Aquaman, but that movie has so much bad shit circling it at this point to where it's like, 
if you put that movie out, there's no way anybody who's in the know watching that movie is not going to just feel kind of dirty watching it at the same time. Yeah. For real. There's just too much baggage in the DCEU right now. You know, there's this weird contingent of like Snyderverse, restore the Snyderverse fans and like all this weird extraneous bullshit around all this stuff that it just feels awkward to even think about the the universe as a whole cohesive unit. Mm-hmm. So they need to just like start over, you know, level the, the, the fucking universe to the ground, take away all the CW bullshit, like streamline the shit. So it's not all these different versions of these different, of these characters. And I, I mean, I, I enjoy the fact that we have all this story potential, but from a money perspective and from a, a cohesive perspective, it, it's not working and they need to redo it. Joe, I mean, for as much as I love Peacemaker and Margot Robbie's Holly, uh, Harley Quinn and, and the Momoa Aquaman, what if they could, what if they could scrap everything and give us something even better? You know what I mean? And, 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 and not saying that like and and not saying that James Gunn won't be involved in the future going forward. Let's give him something let's give him something new to work with with DC. But I mean if 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 you know getting us just one more season of Peacemaker and you know giving us the last of the remnants here from from like this this the old shit. But then if they can give us <laughs> If they can give us something better to where we get that Justice League movie that's deserved and that we all universally love, it'll be worth it, man. In the end, it'll be worth it if we can if we can have a cohesive fucking universe where we can get like you know teases of like oh oh my god that's that's a, that's a tease of the Green Lantern Corps they're going to be involved in something blah blah blah. I mean. <laughs> It would be so much more enjoyable for everyone if the whole universe was working. It's just like we've got pieces over here that work and pieces of oh, and then we got Ezra Miller over here, and then we've got, you know, Cavill's Jared not Jared Leto Joker. Yeah, Jared Leto Joker. <laughs> and we've got Cavill not wanting to come back and play Superman over here. And it's it's just it's 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 a fucking nightmare. And I think like I said, they need to I feel like they need to wrap it and scrap it we need to say goodbye we need to say goodbye to the old and bring in the new and hopefully the new will have a new vision a cohesive fucking 10-year plan and um i don't know man i i just don't see there's i don't see any way of saving this joe i mean probably not and and if if um you know wrapping and scrapping is the price (laughs) that needs to be paid to to get a good cohesive piece of universe then then i'm all for it because i do want to see good movies. i want to see good dc movies i, w- I want to man that, that would be a cool world to live in we've gotten so many great comic book movies over the the past i mean shit almost like two decades now and it'd be great to see dc get in on that action a little bit more um but incidentally wrap it and scrap it <laughs> <laughs> that should be like the new slogan for safe sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I do want us to see. I, I want to see like, uh, you know, I do want to see like um, the uh, Robert Pattinson sequel to Batman. And I mean, if you're going to continue to do that stuff and like, you know, Joker two and stuff, just brand it under a different label. 
that I mean, I'm Dick. I'm fine. Call it an Elseworld story. Call it Elseworld story, you know, and brand it that way. Um, everything else can be kind of, you know, I. Joe, I don't want to say goodbye to Peacemaker. I would love to get three seasons out of Peacemaker. So, no oh, kidding. Yeah. As long as James Gunn's still got good ideas and he's excited to do it, then yeah, I want Peacemaker to go as long as it can. Yeah. And maybe that's one of those things that it can be separate too. Who knows? I would, you know what? Fuck it. I, I wouldn't mind it, you know, but we'll see what happens, guys. God damn it, fucking Warner Brothers. I hope that they can fix this fucking shit. It's ridiculous. It's going to take a lot of work. I, I hopefully they have the stamina and the the right minds to do it. Mm-hmm. They really just have to. They have to have a concrete plan. They have to have a concrete plan. It'd be interesting to see like what the next project they announce is, right? Yeah, yeah. If they go back to one of their big three, or if they do the original MCU route and kind of start with a C level character, right? Isn't Blue Beetle filming right now or just rap filming or something? Yeah, um, that they don't think that that's going to be they don't know. Uh, yeah, this is let me read this. This is actually from this is actually from Dark Horizons. They say there's also still no answer of any kind on the fate of the Blue Beetle film starring Zolo Maraduena in the lead role. That project was developed for HBO Max before being upgraded to a theatrical release in December. There's no answer of any kind on the fate of that. So it's not like, you know, it, you know I mean, they could have just thrown that in there with Batgirl and that Scoob 2 movie and said it's done too. So there is no, there is no, uh, no word on that. Because he's fantastic in Cobra Kai, so yeah, I was definitely excited to see him. And the suit on. looks fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, it does. We'll see. I don't. I don't know, man. God, Joe, I know it sucks, man. We all wanted to see fucking Michael Keaton return as Batman. I know, man. No, that's the biggest thing that I'm bummed about. Me with, too. With all of this is in in and also it's like I feel bad for him by all accounts. From so many different, like, behind-the-scenes anecdotes about Michael Keaton, that guy is very proud of the fact that he played Batman. And for him to get to come back and do it again, and then to go through all the fucking work of it, and then not have that reward of of being able to have your fans see it, it's it's heartbreaking to everybody involved with these movies. Not just one Batman, but two Batmans on the screen at the same time. Hilarious. (laughs) <laughs> it's not right it's not right for fans that fucking Ezra Miller's the fucking reason that we don't get that I oh, god damn it fuck you motherfucker you just fell apart on these guys it's so unfortunate mm-hmm. I can't think of a bigger meltdown in a bigger franchise that's ever happened to a studio than this Ezra Miller flash shit I feel so bad for WB mm. <laughs> it's terrible it's terrible. I mean, I I would not be surprised if we get if we get Shazam: Fury of the Gods and Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, and that is it. And they start over. And Black Adam might be the fucking that might be the starting point. Yeah, does Shazam still count in that universe? I mean, 
Not, I mean, you don't have to, right? I mean, did, yeah, we only saw Superman's foot, basically. No, we saw yes. his. We saw his like torso. Torso. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That could be any torso. I, yeah, I, yeah. It, there's, it's not actor dependent for that one, so they could completely set Shazam and Black Adam in, a, in a, the new yeah, universe. They could, but are we? Oh man, goddamn! Because yeah. there's no other crossover with anybody, any other actor from any other DC franchise. There's just the character of Superman who exists, mm-hmm. and we never saw the, the face, so it could they could use that as like a, a bridging sort of no, soft I, reset. I'm also saying that fucking Zachary Levi might be out of a job here. Like it, like it starts with black Adam and then cause that yeah, was I clearly could, set in the DCEU. And like, if you, if you don't scrap everything, that's yeah. going to leave it open for fans to say, well, you know what I, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, I do, I do. And, and even fandom seems a little bit more intense on seeing Black Adam fight Superman than they do seeing him fight Sir Sam. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that's too hard of a pivot to do. Yeah, I mean you the, at that point you can you can start your uni- your new universe with Black Adam and then we could get a brand new Superman. We could get all new directors over there at DC and and they could just start a whole new universe and I think that's what needs to be done sadly. Uh just, they could just cast Samara Weaving as uh, Harley Quinn, I guess. Since <laughs> she looks almost exactly like Margot Robbie. Samara <laughs> Weaving always just looks like she's about ready to sneeze to me. <laughs> <laughs> she just has a very sneezy looking face. <laughs> sneezy looking face. Yeah, it's just her nose. She just got a. She just looks like. <laughs> Samara sneezing. (laughs) I did like her in that valet movie, though. That's the only thing I've enjoyed her in. I liked her in that. Anyway, that is ready or not. That is all I have, gentlemen. I was waiting for Neil to crack up. (laughs) <laughs> no we belabor the point enough this time <laughs> all right oh fuck me yeah we're back jesus christ I, as soon as i i turn off the air for these fucking episodes so people don't have to listen to my air conditioning and i am just over here it's like i'm i just can't wait to get off this fucking episode and turn my fucking air conditioner on <laughs> that's hilarious jesus fucking christ it's like, no it's like pod oh if you're you think you like podcasting try doing it in a steam room it's like fuck jesus <laughs> christ I've lost five pounds of sweat anyway all right Joe, thank you for joining us. Where can people find you? And I saw that you put out an episode recently. Yeah, you can find me on Startcast, my long-form conversation show I do. Um, just had an episode dropped today with Dave Feynman. Uh, Dave is the owner and operator of Smuggler's Coffee. And so he talked to me about all sorts of coffee stuff, and we talked about some, some geek stuff as well. It was a great conversation. Dave's a really, really awesome guy. 
Is it, does he talk all fast and jittery like he's all hopped up on caffeine? <laughs> <laughs> no, he sounds very, very laid back for a guy <laughs> that lives the coffee lifestyle, right? <laughs> yeah. No, he's a good dude, man, and uh, he makes great coffee, and he sent me sent me some coffee in the past and a, and a smuggler's coffee mug and... And, uh, yeah, great fucking guy, man. So, yeah, definitely support him and listen to the episode on StarkCast. Neil, are you, what, are, you guys, are you guys putting out episodes on Smorgasbord? Yeah, we actually just dropped our uh, Picard Season 2 discussion that we had a couple weeks ago. Uh, and then next weekend we're going to talk about Strange New World Season 1 and uh, Prodigy. And then... Uh, Lower Decks is coming back at the end of the month, so we're going to start trying to do more regular episodes for that. Um, yeah, so we are we are we were we're back a little bit. Uh, it was it's, it was a crazy early part of the summer for me, so I wasn't really available to do anything. But now that things are a little slower, we, we're going to get more back into it. I have to make excuses on my show, Neil. <laughs> just, just go John Wick with it and say, "Yeah, we're back." Anyway. You know, um, the the only reason I want to get caught up on uh, Picard now is because season three has all the fucking OGs coming back and shit, man. I don't think you need to watch season two. Then I fucking won't, dude. But I'll tell you one thing. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, man. Strange New Worlds is a fucking great... That is a great fucking Star Trek series. So good. That is a great Star Trek series. I think that's like the best Star Trek I've seen in a long time. I'm, I'm not... It, it, I'm so it really good. captured the spirit of the original series. Yes. And yet it, it came at it from a more modern perspective. Uh yeah, it was a fantastic first season. Absolutely. Fucking A, man. Even if you haven't like watched much Star Trek, I, I, I highly recommend that one. You fall in love with the characters, and like each episode, they're just thrust into you know just a different kind of uh, uh, of a you know a different world, situation, different, yeah. different situation, different alien races. It's 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 fantastic. It's it's really there's good. even a cosplay episode, which are like some of my favorite Star Trek episodes. <laughs> they get all dressed up in weird ass costumes. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I think my favorite Star Trek episode is the one where they meet Abraham Lincoln and Genghis Khan. Oh, that's, that's classic. <laughs> Space Lincoln. <laughs> in the chair. Yeah. Oh, my. That is a wild fucking episode. <laughs> yeah, fucking A. Yeah, that's nuts. Oh, man. Star Trek at its best. So check out, uh, subscribe to the Smorgasbord and listen to Neil and our buddy Stephen Farshid as uh, as they talk Star Trek. Uh, what, what are we what, what are we doing next week? Um, yeah, we're coming back. Christ, I'm she lying. Hulk. Yeah, She Hulk. I don't know, man. I don't know about She Hulk. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Jury's out. Jury is out. I gotta see that. <laughs> I gotta see that fucking. It was show. intended, Neil. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> oh man! Uh, and then Beast. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go see Beast. That new Idris Elba fucking lion movie. That trailer gets me really anxious every time I see it. I don't like it. I love it. I love it. 
Big fucking, big fucking lion going after him. Scary, man. I've not seen that trailer. What? Oh, wow. How? How have you, <laughs> I don't know. How have you avoided that like trailer? I haven't seen that trailer a single time. Wow. Yeah, I see like a movie at least once a week, too. Jesus. Yeah, I've seen that trailer like seven times. Yeah, it must not be in the AMC theaters. Yeah, it is. No? Okay. Yeah, the, the last one, they had that lion fucking rip apart Nicole Kidman. <laughs> no, that would have made me sad. It was a, it was a crossover. Heartbreak. <laughs> she only got through half of that heartbreak fucking quote, and that fucking thing just ripped her to shreds. Yeah, it did not feel good that time. Yeah, you just see, you see that. Oh, my God, the fucking, the, the best one of those fucking AMC fucking Nicole Kidman videos is the guy that fucking has her watching the sex scene from House of Gucci. The whole time oh, that was really funny. The whole time yeah. she's talking about, you know, like uh, the, the AMC experience and shit, you just see fucking Adam Driver railing Lady Gaga and you <laughs> d- you hear her moaning and shit and it is fucking hilarious. <laughs> anyway, we're done. That's it, Jake. And until next week, we're Putting a lid on it. You did it, Jake. Jesus fucking Christ. Only took you a fucking three months or however long it's been. Oh, jeez. I think you're just being nice. I thought that was bad, too. You know, you did it that time. (laughs) Okay. You didn't say it with confidence. You said it like... You said it like you said it like you were scared, but you still... (laughs) (laughs) You did. You said... (laughs) All right. right. Now that I got the timing down, I'll work on the confidence. (laughs) <laughs> you said you said it like you said it like you like you're suffering from like PTSD or something. <laughs> you got it out there. You said it, but maybe next time say it. You know, man up, s- grab your balls and say it next time. I don't know. Yeah, I'm into it. I got it. Good. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, say it with some gusto. You know, mm. we're putting a lid on it. You know. Say- <laughs> <laughs> And until next week, we're putting a lid on it. We'll say it. Yeah, we'll say it like we're fucking 1950 superheroes or some shit. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> uh, all right. See you next week. Later. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, pushovers. Pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture, leftovers. Podcast that original and good. 
have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the chaff, and we're the chaff, the crap, even though we're the shit, Woo! we're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids, it, it, it's a trap. Toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Counterculture push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Counterculture push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.